Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. All right, this is Juice Robinson, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. You better keep listening. We're at WrestleCon having a blast. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Burial the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here Joined by the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be reviewing the second round of the New Japan Cup, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. This episode of Keeping It Strong Style is brought to you by Powerslam.tv. Powerslam TV is an independent streaming service with over 4,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Also, make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can find your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. Also, we got Suplex Mania coming up in just a couple weeks, April 7th at the Hooters. Across from Madison Square Garden, come join us at 5 p.m. We'll be doing a live podcast followed by a WrestleMania watch party. So come out and hang out with your boys at Suplex Mania. All right, young boy, we are hot and heavy into this new Japan Cup. This past week, we just had the second round completed, man. You know what I was hoping you would do? I was hoping that you would ask me a question like, how are you doing today or how's it going or something like that? And then I was going to respond by asking the same question to you. And then the next part of the bit was going to be about how in sales we use porcupine questions. The person who's asking the questions has all the all the power, but you didn't do that. So then the bit didn't work. And then I explained the bit, but it really holds no relevancy. <laughs> that was going to be my open for the week. I thought of it five seconds ago. That was going to be what we were going to talk about. And now it's ruined. I'm sorry, man. I guess we need to, we need to go over this kind of stuff in the, uh, in the pre-production meeting. We don't, we don't have a pre-production meeting. Uh. <laughs> Our pre-production meeting is um, you pretty much putting everything together and me scrambling to like be ready 
and then I come out and you're like, are you ready? And I'm like, yeah. And then I like pace around for a bit. I throw water in my face. I say, out now, brown cow. And then I'm like, all right, let's do this. And we talk 0% about what we're going to discuss entirely. Yeah, guys, like all the, the quote unquote bits, jokes, gimmicks, opinions are, are, are fresh. Like we don't practice or rehearse or go over any of this stuff. And usually like, like off area, we'll talk about some of the matches and opinions, but most of the time, we're getting our opinions fresh on the air. All these jokes and gimmicks are just improv. Like none of this stuff is pre-planned. This is not. This is not a work. What gimmick are you talking about? The gimmicks. What gimmicks? All... I, I don't have any gimmicks. <laughs> this is a shoot, brother. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This show is a shoot. This is the life I live. <laughs> you remember when um, we were at that wrestling show and I, I told Big Daddy that I liked his act and he's like, act. Yeah, he's like, act. What do you mean, act? What act? <laughs> and I was like, well, you're wearing a surgeon costume. <laughs> and uh, the, the dude that you that you accompany dresses like a, uh, you know, like an alchemist from like, like he's cosplaying like a, like a steampunk. Like, it's clearly an act. Like, I don't see y'all walking through like, you know, CVS dressed like this or like, you know, just going to breakfast or brunch or whatever. Like, this is clearly a gimmick. He's yeah. like, this This ain't a gimmick. He's like, let me show you back in 1982 <laughs> when I was working in the Tampa Auditorium. I was like, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah bro, he got worked up. Yeah. He, protecting kayfabe. Yeah. Unlike some people. Uh, <laughs> and uh, other promotions. <laughs> uh, that Inokiaism crap. Yeah. <laughs> That's what WWE is nowadays. Look at who they got on top. That Inokiism crap ruining the business. Yeah. Thank God we have pro wrestling over in Japan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. All right. So this past week we had the second round matches of the New Japan Cup. And I'll just go out and say, man, my bracket took some blows. Oh, I know it did. In the second round. Yeah, Absolutely. I think a, a vast majority of our listeners' brackets took a huge, huge Yeah, hit. yeah. And we'll get into it, but, like, I started alluding to it last week, and I could see the look on your face when I started saying it, and we'll get into it, but I was like, wouldn't it make sense for Zack Sabre to, like, beat all the same guys he beat last year? And then I saw you looking, and you're like, they could go that way. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know. That story kind of makes sense to me. It's all the same guys he beat last year. They could go that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, man. Let's let's jump in this thing. So we got uh, night five, and we're not going to really break down, you know, every single multi-man match. Know that every night on the tour, there were a bunch of multi-man tags with young boys, New Japan dads, guys who were got eliminated from the tournament, guys that are in the tournament. Um, some of the key takeaways from the multi-man matches, um, there's a lot of um, setup for Juice and Chase. Uh, Chase constantly attacking Juice in multi-man matches, um, almost uh, package pile-driving him outside on the ring. Um, we have more news about that rivalry later on in the show. Um, we had Later on, you had Ibushi and Naito in multi-man matches, teasing um, a future IC title match. Um, of course, you had the Young Lions taking it, trying to you know step up against the New Japan Dads. Um, the interesting battle with Chaos versus Chaos. Um, and there's the hilarious moment of Goto 
um, being jealous when uh, Taguchi takes his spot in the uh, that that pose they do. What's it called again? The Zama, the I, I like Zama sushi, the, the Zama whatever pose. I don't yeah. know. But dude, the face that the face that Goto made was freaking hilarious. There's like a gif of it going around now too. That Go, man, Goto was pissed. Yeah, that man was shook. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I mean, those are kind of the major keys of the undercards. I mean, if you have time, go back and watch it. I mean, if you don't, I mean, there's not too, too, too much you're missing uh, from the undercard matches. Um, but let's start with these. They should kick Goto out. Oh, I don't know, man. They're bringing all these guys into chaos. They didn't kick them out the way they kicked out Booker T out of the NWO. <laughs> Yo, how racist was that? One of these things isn't like the other. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, one of yeah, one of these guys, <laughs> they're just not the same. <laughs> how? <Yeah. laughs> what do you mean, Sean? <laughs> huh? But no, nah, Goto's not like the rest. They need to kick him out. I don't know. If they if they can have uh, Mad Mikey Nichols in the group, I think they can hold on to Goto. Mikey Nichols joining Chaos is like them jumping the shark. That's the, <laughs> that's not a joke. Oh, I'm not even being funny. Like I'm dead serious. This is um that's like the death knell for. I mean they're gonna c- continue to exist, but it's like they're jumping the shark. Like they're never gonna be chaos ever again. They, yeah. They got Mikey freaking Nichols in there. Like it's too much jagness. They got Mikey <laughs> Nichols. They got Yoshihashi. Goto's gone down so many rungs. Like. Inokiism. Somebody's got to do the jobs on the team. Westernization. <laughs> the elite are gone. New Japan is on a downturn, bro. We're, we're going to the Dark Ages, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, speaking of Dark Ages, we had Yoshihashi taking on uh, the crown jewel, Chase Owens, in uh, the first tournament matchup of this past week. Um, bro, I was popping, bro. I was popping. I was in my room. I was chanting... Fight forever, <laughs> both these guys. Yeah, I was. Nah, this match. Um, I don't know. I mean, what did you think? I mean, uh, they, I felt like they had a lot going against them. Uh, just being in the venue they were at, the kind of the crowd. You know, they're where were they? By the way, um, uh, they're they're in one of those like rural like gymnasiums. Yeah, I don't have the location on me right now. You know, it was the it's the whole like the open gym with the like full house lights and you know the crowd really wasn't into either of these guys. Um, I thought Chase was passable; like he did a really good job as a heel. Mm-hmm. Worked uh, on the injured shoulder yep. of Yoshihashi throughout the match, and, and Yoshihashi was fine too. Um, but I don't know, man. Like sometimes, and I know we criticize him a lot, but I do have to criticize him here. It's hard for me to feel like his matches are ever a big deal, even when he's doing a lot of impressive things. It's just hard. Like there's there's an element of drama or like levity that is missing from his matches, and it just makes it feel like a jag match. No matter how impressive it is, it like it's Yoshihashi. It's just a guy, and he's just having a match. Even with Chase Owens. And yeah, and it's hard to invest in Yoshihashi. I mean, even the commentators are pretty much, like, burying this guy I every really, match. I still really question whether they do that on the Japanese side or not, because I don't know if they do. But, right. I, but yeah, it is pretty... I mean, even you have Rocky out there who works in the office, and yeah. it's a, it's, they're in the same faction, same yeah. stable, and they're out there, you know, when is Yoshihashi finally going to make the big one? When is he going to step up? When is he finally gonna get confidence in himself like just constantly just asking all these questions just like bashing 
Yoshihashi and you know, uh, Rocky's like, yeah, you know, he needs to start winning some matches for chaos and just. Well, it's 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 interesting because you know in New Japan a lot of the stories are nuanced and sometimes, you know, people are always like, there's no stories in New Japan or whatever, and I, obviously we've taken that sort of stance to task and we don't agree with it, but sometimes, there really is no story, and sometimes, like sometimes there is no story because it is a sports centric product. Sometimes you as a fan are left putting pieces together. Not in the same way that you would, say, watching WWE when things don't make sense and you have to, like, make it make sense. But, you know, something like Yoshihashi. He's just in the tournament. There's not really a story arc except for the matches he's having. And I do wonder sometimes if there's not much of a story, how much of what's going on with the commentators is just them trying to tell a story, you know, and paint a picture. Yeah. I don't know necessarily that, like, these, uh, what they're, uh, that, how we view Yoshihashi's character, that he is kind of adrift, that he's an underachiever, an underdog, and all. I mean, some of that is true, but I do wonder how much of it is, like, the commentators just kind of looking at the guy, not knowing what to do, what to say, not getting much direction, and just being like, all right, Here's what we got with Yoshihashi. They just throw it out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not like they're, like, building to anything. It's just, there it is. They, they're left to their own devices. I think that there's a lot of leeway with the uh, the English commentary team, and they're, they're just left to say what they want to say, you know? Yeah. And, you know, overall, I thought this match was fine. It was fine. I gave it the gentleman's three. Yeah. Um, like, like we mentioned, Chase doing a good job being heel, working over the shoulder. Um, pretty much came down to um, Giotto. He accidentally hits Chase Owens with the kendo stick. Um, Yoshihashi gets a near fall. With, he did try to kill Yoshihashi. Yeah. With the, uh, he tried to hit him with that package pile driver on the apron. Mm. I was, and I was like, oh my guys can kill us, dude. Yeah. And then uh, Yoshi eventually gets Chase in the horrible looking butterfly lock. and uh, But uh, Chase escapes out of that. But then Yoshi hits the karma. And gets the win. Yeah, I mean, towards the end of the match, they did start uh, hitting a lot. And this is something that Yoshihashi sort of excels at. And I think Chase does too, where a lot of believable near falls, you know, and that was something that they started highlighting towards the end. But prior to that, it was just kind of a match. And then they went to a hot finish. And then, you know, after the kendo shot and all that, it was what it was. I mean, I would go three, maybe not even three, honestly. It was kind of. I don't know. It felt like they had a, too much time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we got some questions here. Uh, first question from Reddit user KLE Bannon. He says. K Lebanon. K Lebanon. K- I'm, I'm not sure how that pronounce that. But he says, do you think it's possible Yoshihashi is the mole in chaos? I've always believed he's the mole in chaos. Uh, you know, I wonder if there even is a mole in chaos. Yeah, that's one of those things like Jay White said like months ago, and people are like clinging on to any little thing they like can to keep that like story going. And who knows? Maybe there is still a mole in chaos, but like that that statement like was thrown out so long ago, and like there's been no other hints or developments towards it. I feel like it's just one of those things where like. Jay White said just to be a cocky prick heel to to piss off the chaos guys, and then that's not good storytelling. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't even know if it's what you're supposing that it's not really something that was booked. Mm-hmm. That it was kind of like how a lot of the guys will just have leeway with again, like we talk about. They have leeway sometimes. There's not really a story going, and you know he's throwing it out there like I got a mole in chaos, and then all the American fans are like, oh my god, right. this is gonna be epic, and then they never follow up on it, and like you know Jado's or like Gato's probably like, why'd you say that? Right. <laughs> they they come back from the camera. He's like. For real? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it is something that they have in their back pocket. If they ever want to go that way, they can always go that way. Right. I mean, and we see this all the time. You know, there's times you know, guys like Kushida are like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go heavyweight. Yeah. I want to I challenge for a heavyweight title. Well, clearly, like, there was no plan for that. That's just Kushida saying what he wants, but that's not necessarily the story or the direction. Yeah, there's been lots of instances where this sort of thing. I remember, like, Tanahashi saying he was going to... Challenge for the IWGP title while he was IC champion never happened. Stuff like this just happens, you know. Um, I do think that if they are going to go that way, though, it's kind of nice that they didn't do it right away. Because if you remember, when this was all happening, it was right after Jay White had turned, right after Gato had turned, right after Jado had turned. Mm-hmm. It was like boom, boom, boom. It was all at the same time, and so and we were you know building to the big matches at Wrestle Kingdom between Jay White and. Um, and Okada, if they had like revealed the mall at that same time, it would have felt like really repetitive. Mm-hmm. Now things have kind of cooled and kind of simmered, and they do have it in their back pocket. If they want to capitalize on that story, quote unquote, they could. And even though people remember it, a lot of fans probably have forgotten about it too. Dude, yeah, I honestly I haven't even thought about it, and I got we got this question this week. I don't think about it at all. Yeah, it's like if it happens, cool. If not, whatever. I mean, I thought it could have been Chucky e. T mm. or Yoshihashi or Rapongi 3K or Rocky or Okada or Ga- or uh, Goto or pretty much any Will- member. Will Osprey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I literally yeah, I mean, was like, it could have been. It literally I mean, the could Chucky be T thing. I mean, that could have been it. They were they were telling a story with that, but you I remember know, a lot of people thought it was Rocky. Yeah, there, that, uh, there's a lot of people. That con been. money came calling. Best friend out of there, so. Well, we know they're not loyal. They probably took two payoffs. <laughs> took a payoff from Jay White, got that money collected, got out of there. Yeah. Um, another question from Twitter user, um, 90 Re- 91 Reasons You Lose. He says, what does young boy think of Yoshihashi's Cinderella run through the New Japan Cup so far? I don't. I don't think of it. I don't think of Yoshihashi. <laughs> He's a non-factor in my life. <laughs> um... Is he having a Cinderella run? I don't think so. Who did he beat in the first round? Uh, he beat Nagata. Na- no, or not Na- Nagata. I mean uh, Nakanishi. Excuse me. It's not really a uh, Cinderella run if he beat Nakanishi and then turned around and uh, beat, beat Chase Owens. Chiso. Yeah, Chase Owens. Um, I was a little surprised, but as we're gonna discuss here, he obviously. Um, there's something going on with chaos in this tournament, so yeah. it's not too surprising. But ultimately, if Chase hadn't just beat Juice, nine times out of ten, you ask me who's going to win in a straight-up one-on-one match, Yoshihashi or Chase Owens, just given their stances in the company, I'm like, I'm going to say Yoshihashi. Um, Same thing with him and Nakanishi for the most part. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of like, I wouldn't consider this a Cinderella run. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's out there, like, beating uh, Naito and Tanahashi and Ibushi. This is... Yeah, when I'm watching these matches, it's not like 
an underdog overcoming the odds to like this is not a Hanma uh, storyline. Right. You know what it is? It's a guy who benefited from bad like bracketing. Like he got lucky that now if he had gone if Yoshihashi had gone against Juice in the second round and then beat Juice, then I'd be like, Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I wouldn't I I mean and and as far as Yoshihashi's concerned, my feelings towards him are pretty clear. Um, but I think he's been fine. He hasn't done anything wrong. Um, the Nakanishi match was probably the best he could get out of Nakanishi. But right. I, I enjoyed that match more for Nakanishi. That plancha? Doing planchas. <laughs> Bro, Lucha Nakanishi is one of my favorite things Dude, in the world. Nakanishi's trying to pick the work rate up out here. Bro, I was listening to uh, Wrestling Observer. They were talking about the best flying wrestlers in the world. And I was like, where's Nakanishi? <laughs> Uh, maybe he can get that. You can uh, talk about your Ospreys. <laughs> you can talk about your Ricochets. But Nakanishi says, I just flew on your ass. But um, uh, Yeah, maybe we can get Nakanishi nominated next year. Bro, we need to get a uh, like an Air Nakanishi shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, a still shot that badly timed like, like plancha. Like him like hitting like the Air apron. Nakanishi where he's hitting the apron. <laughs> but um, I would not call this a Cinderella run because of... of the way it's been booked, it, it, it Yoshihashi's been fine. You know, he's had two two matches in a row that were not even three stars or about three stars, and um, and I think his run's about to come to a close. So I really don't call this a Cinderella run. Yeah. Uh, another question from Reddit user K Lebanon. He says, um, second question: Bullet Club does not currently have any serious single competitors for the heavyweight division after Jay White. Are they setting up Chase Owens for that role? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, if they were setting up Chase Owens for that role, they would not have him lose to Yoshihashi. And uh, we love Chase on this show, but right now, I don't see him coming anywhere close to being a you know IWGP champion contender. I'm just trying to think, and that's a good question. Um, how many... How many stables have serious competitors for the heavyweight division? You know what I mean? Or, like, how many stables have that? Uh, I mean, you you think of, obviously, in um, Suzuki-Goon, you got two guys that are serious competitors. Oh, yes. Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. Yep. And then you look at the, um, if you look at uh, LIJ, you could say three, but if you want me to be real honest right now today in 2018 or 2019 <laughs> it's just Naito yeah uh, you can say what you want about Sonata and about um, evil evil but I just right now I don't see them as serious competition or serious challengers um, what, who else I mean then chaos I mean chaos is it, I mean Okada and Osprey Ishii yeah from a skill standpoint, yes, but like from a story standpoint, I mean, not really. Yeah, and I don't even really know how serious we should take Osprey just yet. I mean, but they—they they are clearly. But he—he's inching towards. They're building him. Yeah, and then I mean, I guess if you want to talk about like the Sekigun guys, you've got Tanahashi and you've got uh, Abushi. So yeah, I guess some of the stables do have like multiple multiple guys, but it doesn't always feel like that. And I mean. In the Bullet Club, I mean, 
who did outside of like Kenny Omega? Who did you have? I guess Cody, but I wouldn't really consider it that he, way. I mean, he had a title shot, but I mean, yeah. Has there ever been a time where the Bullet Club, if if we're being honest, ever really had serious competitors outside of the leader? I mean, no. I mean, it's always yeah. It's always been the leader. I mean, you had what Fergal Devitt when he was kind of ju- trying to jump into heavyweight. The only thing you could say is like maybe Fale at different times. Yeah. Maybe, um, you know, maybe Carl Anderson when you look at some of his G1 runs. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, really, it was just Prince Devitt. Then it was AJ. AJ. And then it was Kenny. <laughs> and, and now, you know, so I feel like it's right in line with how the Bullet Club has kind of always operated. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And I'm thinking of like even Chaos. Well, Chaos at one point, you did have, you know, um, Nakamura and Okada in the same stable, so yeah, good question. But uh, yeah, I think I don't see them building up Chase for that role. I don't really see them building up anybody. I think Jay White is the sole focus of of that role and that that group. That faction, yeah. Yep. So uh, main event of night five, we had the Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii taking on Tai Chi. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. So. Um, I, I really did enjoy this match, but I also have a lot of gripes about this match. And I feel like maybe I'm in the minority on that because people tended to be very positive about this match. I mean, I, I, I thought that it was an interesting story, the idea that you have Taichi resorting to all these underhanded tactics and just trying his hardest to cheat and Ishii getting pissed about it and just beating the crap out of him. For using such underhanded tactics, um, it wasn't until really like once we got to the uh, the spot with the um, with the mic stand, and Taichi refused to use that, and then decided to go toe to toe with him. That was obviously his undoing mm-hmm. and the big mistake of the match. But it also made the quality of the match jump up significantly because up to that point, I thought that this match kind of sucked, honestly. Yeah, I will say the beginning of the match was kind of boring, but then as it went on, it picked up for me, yeah. and I thought it ended up being a really great match. This is probably one of the best singles Tai Chi matches that I've, I've seen since I've been watching New Japan, um, and I really enjoyed it. I thought Ishii did a, a great job of kind of getting Tai Chi to step up, and you know, a lot of people are big fans of Tai Chi and want to see him get big, better chances, and I think this performance would be a great you know, case for somebody to pull up for Taichi getting more chances. Yeah, yeah, no. Taking nothing, I think overall in a vacuum, the match was great. And I mean, I, I rated pretty hard. I mean, or pretty highly. I think I was at like three and three quarters. I mean, what? Where were you on this? I was four flat. Four. Yeah. yeah. Um. What? Yeah. Once he decided to go toe to toe with uh with Ishii, I mean, the the match quality, like you said, it really did pick up and it did show that Yoshi or (laughs) that Tai Chi can go. And Tai Chi still, you know, cheated. He went for the nut shot when the, you know, and concealed it from the ref, that sort of thing. And there's a few points where you could kind of, you know, see him picking up a win. He's really good at that, like those sneaky pins at the end of the match. And I think, excuse me, the uh, the closing stretch of this match was really good. You had a. Taichi hits a, a last ride, which the crowd really bought into as a near fall. Yeah. Um, then Ishii hits a pile driver. Um, Taichi no sells it, and the fans, you know, are, you get the dueling chance of let's go Taichi, go home Taichi. 
with the Let's Go Tai Chi Chance actually kind of beating out the Go Home Tai Chi Chance. Um, and then um, two big lariats. Um, tai Chi goes for a brain, gets out of the brain buster and uses the Gato Clutch, Gato Clutch for a very close near fall. Um, then Ishii hits a sliding lariat and then follows up with the brain buster and gets the win. Couple things. Do you think that because I feel like there's people who are going to see that and hear that and say to themselves, "Oh, well, Tai Chi's really getting over." Um, not to say he hasn't gotten over to an extent because I think we've conceded that point. On earlier episodes, like where he is today in 2019, is a far cry from 2017. Right. But to me, and maybe I'm just wrong in this, and correct me if I'm wrong, this doesn't feel like Tai Chi's getting over, quote unquote. Like this is a, a guy that the fans love and that they come, like, I don't think that, and maybe I'm wrong in this, I don't feel like this is them showing up because they, they came to see Tai Chi right. and they're getting behind him because he's in the main event. It's more like that thing to me where you know how people love to see title changes, mm-hmm. and, and so they support the underdog to to win. Not that this was a title match, but I feel like that's what started happening. Like the idea that Ishii is this ins- insurmountable like force and this killer, and then you have Taichi kind of going toe to toe with him, and then gaining that crowd support because it, it didn't seem like prior to him deciding to go toe and toe, it didn't seem like the crowd was behind him at all. It was like they got caught up in the moment almost. So I will say that... Or am I wrong on that? I will say typically in New Japan matches, the crowds do sometimes tend to go towards the underdog, especially if they're going against a Tanahashi, an Okada, an Ishii. They're going to go for... They, they like to root for the underdog because in their minds, they probably know, well, Okada, Tanahashi, Ishii are probably winning. And right. We saw this with Shota Umino. Right. Against Tanahashi. Right. And some of the other matches, we, we saw this later on in the tournament. But I will say in other matches... That Tai Chi's been in, you can hear the difference in the let's go Tai Chi chants over the go. I mean, when we first started watching, it was all go home Tai Chi chants. Right. And there are let's go Tai Chi chants. Now, I'm not saying that he's over to the point where you can put Tai Chi in the main event of the next big tour and people are like, oh, Tai Chi's in the main, I'm going to buy tickets. But he is kind of one, he is kind of winning fans over and to the point where they actually want to see him succeed. I don't. Maybe one day it will get to the point where you can slap him in the main event and people will buy tickets for him. But I do think that they are. They do want to see Tai Chi get more chances. Well, he's had a string of good matches. The match he had with uh, Will Ospreay at the end of the year last year was mm-hmm. a really good match. And then the Naito series. I mean, they weren't yeah, great matches, yeah, but that, it was a the step Naito up match. for him. Yeah. yeah, and then this match. Uh, there was a few things I did want to point out. Things I don't like. Uh, Mm-hmm. I, I, I heard and saw lots of people praising Taichi when he started doing the Kawada kicks, and I thought that they looked really bad, like like awful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a personal like pet peeve of mine. Like I think it's one of those things where if you're going to do a move that's very recognizable and notable, like do it well, don't do it crappily, and I thought that they looked like shit, honestly. <laughs> um, another thing, too, is like there's, there's some things that like with Taichi like – when he's doing the strikes and he's slapping his thigh, like it's like Cassius Ono levels of bad. It's so <laughs> freaking obvious. Um, and then like his bumping, like he, this is a guy who doesn't like to bump. Like you know, he he doesn't like to bump. And when he's in a physical match with a guy like uh, Ishii, Ishii, he struggles to keep up with the bump meter that you see in New Japan. And um, taking nothing away from him, because again, this is a great performance. But I think there's a reason we don't see this kind of performance out of Taichi on a, on a regular basis. And I'll just say this. Um, 
I have gone to bat for Taichi many, many times in the past and been like, well, he doesn't deliver all the time, but when he does, he really does. And, mm-hmm. you know, he had that match with Tanahashi, he had that match with Naito, and he had the, you know, and I've, I've done all that. But every, but like, there's people who are getting behind him now and being like, how is he not in the G1 after this? And I'm like, keep him the fuck away <laughs> from the G1 because this is something you get once or twice a year from this guy. Mm hmm. He's never going to do this consistently right. for a he, tour. He has to be in there with an opponent that's going to make him wrestle. Like, Ishii wasn't playing any games. I don't even know if anyone can make him. I don't think Ishii can make him do this. I think, like, he has to be motivated to want to do it. Like, the guy, when the guy, if if it was a, uh, if it was a factor where it's like, when he doesn't deliver, it's just fine. Kind of mm-hmm. like Yoshihashi. But yeah. it, that's not what happens. When he doesn't deliver, he really doesn't it's deliver. It's horrible. And more often than not, he really doesn't deliver. Then every once in a while, he will step up and have, like, a decent match. Uh, I know people like the gimmick. I know people, you know, it's kind of like that niche kind of, like, counterculture thing to like Taichi. And I, I, I get it. But I'm tired of anticipating good matches and then getting... Uh, th- that Goto series freaking killed me. Yeah. After that, after that Goto series... Those matches should have been good, and they weren't, and so I'm kind of done with that whole thing. Yeah, the Goto series was pretty rough, but I mean, overall, like, this, like, if, if he could keep, if he put out performances like this every time he's in the ring, I would be like, yeah, get him in the G1, but... I just feel like it's Ishii, and Ishii, like, can do no wrong. Yeah. Like, when's the last time Ishii had a bad match, and a bad singles match with anybody? Exactly. He brutalizes everybody, that's just what happens, and... You know, this stuff that we saw from Taichi was the same kind of smoke and mirror stuff we saw with him and Naito and him with Tanahashi, and I, I, I buy into it when it happens, but I ain't buying into it anymore. Yeah. Every, every, I think a lot of people are like starting to get into the Taichi lull and being like, oh, he's better than he actually is. Nope, right. I'm not, I'm not buying it. I'm not biting anymore. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, but I will say, I know we, we're kinda, and it was a good match. Yeah, this was like I said, it gave us four stars, one of the best Taichi matches I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I was at the end of it. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was as good as all the other mat- matches he's had. Yeah, I, I would put it in the same league as like the Naito match from last year, the Tanahashi match from last year, and the uh, the Osprey match. Yeah, and I mean, especially after watching the Yoshi Chase match, this was like a great way to end the show. It was way better. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was definitely the match to close the show. So going into the next round, and we'll talk about it in a bit. But we've got. It's interesting. We have. Yoshihashi going against Ishii, members of Chaos. Yeah. Um, So that brings us to now we're on to night six. And speaking of Chaos, we have Chaos member Will Ospreay, the assassin, the never open weight champion, taking on the American psycho Lance Archer. Really good match. I, I was like so surprised at how good this match was. Dude, I've been watching Lance Archer since the TNA days when he was Lance Hoyt and he was teaming up with Kid Cash. Wasn't he in WWE too? Yeah, he was Vance Archer. He was Vance Archer. Wrestling on Velocity. So yeah, I've seen pretty much most of Lance Archer's career and honestly never been too impressed with him. I mean, he's just been kind of a alright big guy. I've always kind of been impressed with him from a physical standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, And from an athletic standpoint... 
but from a dynamic wrestler, storyteller, not really. But that's not the kind of matches he has, you know what I mean? Right. This was kind of a, a departure from that. Yeah, dude, this was, yeah, this is probably, I have to say, this is probably the best Lance Archer match I've ever seen. Um, and again, I mean, it's with Will Ospreay, and dude, this was just like an incredible big man, little man matchup here. You know what, bro, you know what Will Ospreay's starting to give me? Hmm. AJ Styles vibes. Oh, like, you know how, like, there was a time, and maybe it's still true, I don't know, it's been a while since we've seen him matched up with the big guy, but you you remember, like, when there was a time when it was, like... AJ versus Abyss. AJ against any big guy. Yeah. Abyss. Samoa Joe. Joe. Yeah. Like, all these guys. Um, Kevin Nash. Even Nash. Yeah. Yep. Kevin Nash. There was a bunch of them where it was, like, you want to get a big guy over, you put him in there with AJ Styles, and they're going to have a banger. And, um... Will Ospreay is like kind of giving me those vibes, like the way he keeps pulling like passable match, great match, passable match. Like he's pulling these really good matches out of like limited big guy workers. It's like yo, he's the modern day Sting, he's mm. the modern day AJ <laughs> Styles. Like, like I love it. Yeah, man, this met this um, match had a lot of cool spots. Um, there's a spot where um, Osprey hits the Spanish Fly on Lance Archer. I could, bro. I, when I saw that, I knew what they were going for. I saw the determination and look in Lance Archer's mm-hmm. eyes, and he was like, "I'm freaking flipping on this motherfucker!" <laughs> like like uh, he hit it so hard, bro. Yeah, dude, it was sick. And then um, Welsh chest getting busted open from chops from Archer. Um, then there was an insane sequence where Osprey avoids the pounce by flipping, by flipping over and diving over Archer. That was awesome. Yeah, it's like he's he's starting to do that as a signature in a lot of matches, like the same way he did with Ibushi at Wrestle, or not even really just at Wrestle Kingdom, but uh, during that tag match uh, at the road to uh, Wrestle Kingdom when he got um, Frankensteinered by Ibushi and he landed, landed on, on his feet. feet. Yeah, he's like. Starting, if you're noticing, he's doing stuff like that in every couple like matches now. A guy tries to go for a signature and he flips out of it and shows his athleticism. And I'm like, oh my god, this, <laughs> this dude's incredible! Yeah, and then um, eventually Archer was able to get the pounce. Uh, he countered the Oz cutter, the Oz cutter into yeah. the pounce, which sent Osprey flying out the ring. And yeah, dude, Osprey's insane, bro. Yeah, there are so many awesome counters and spots in this match. Um, the big spot, a big moment was Osprey kicking out of Lance Archer's finish to blackout. Um, that's a move that's been protected in New Japan. I don't, yeah, I was thinking, I don't know that anybody's ever kicked out of it that I know of. I'm sure maybe, some, hey, if you if you remember, hit us up and, and point it out, send us a gif, whatever. But I don't I don't remember it any time. Yeah, usually if Archer hits that blackout, it's over. Like. Bro, he was ragdolling Osprey, bro. The choke slam that he landed on. Oh him. my gosh, yes, dude. He got that man up so high and just drilled him down. I also liked how Will kept trying to go for the Stormbreaker, and even though like he couldn't actually do it because mm-hmm. of the size differential, like this guy was gonna be undeterred, and like he's just so freaking. He's like gutsy, like yeah. It, this was a really good story. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just I enjoyed it. Yeah, and um, you know, it comes down towards the end. Um, where they're on the where um, they're on the top rope, and then Osprey's able to use Archer being on the top rope to get him up for the Stormbreaker. Well, he hit the Hidden Blade. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was like that was real surprising. They're up there. He hit the Hidden Blade, and then mm-hmm. kind of flipped over him, and 
used the the leverage being you know that the guy was on the top rope. Yeah, he hit him with the uh, Chikinandos. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, he, from there, he was able to get him on his shoulders and get him to Stormbreaker. Yeah, that was just that was real innovative, really, really interesting. Um, I went the same on this as I went on the last main event. I was three and three quarters on it. Uh, I was, once again, four flat. Where, just for comparison standpoint, because these are two very different style matches, mm-hmm. but I thought that they're pretty equal. Mm-hmm. Um where I mean, what, what which match did you prefer? Because I feel like I'm hearing a lot more people talk positively about the Ishii Taichi match, and I'm not hearing as much about this match for whatever reason. Um, personally, I think I like the Archer Osprey match a little bit better. I'm actually been debating whether I should bump it up a quarter star or not. Because <laughs> um, after watching that, like initially I was four, but then it's like thinking back to like other matches I've given fours to, I'm like. I really did like that match a little bit better, and I just thought that both guys came out there and had their working boots on. Yeah. And Osprey looked great, and Archer, it wasn't just like the whole Osprey. I mean, yes, Osprey's selling and athleticism and crazy flips and dives, you know, helped this match definitely, but I thought Archer did a really good job being the monster heel big guy, and he was doing some athletic stuff too. It's really great, too, how, you know, I'm sure there, there's everyone knows how good Will Osprey is, but. A lot of these heavyweight workers who maybe haven't worked with him or haven't worked with him in Japan are probably starting to... I'm sure he's getting a reputation where it's like, this guy's given us a lot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like it's not like Will's going out there eating guys up and, you know, outshining them, outclassing them. Like, you know, he's not pulling a Sean 96 sort of deal. <laughs> like, he's going out there and he's having very competitive matches and he's making these big guys look Freaking great. Yeah, dude, this is the best I've seen Lance Archer look in a ring. If I'm a big guy, if I'm if I'm like any any big guy in New Japan, like I want to work with Will Ospreay. Yeah, he's I'm, gonna make me look like a million. Yeah, bucks. I'm like Gato. Sign me up, man. Let me work a program with this guy. But uh, yeah, really, really, really good match. I enjoyed it. I think bell to bell. I think I even though I think they told different stories and I enjoyed both matches. Uh, I think bell to bell. I liked this match just. Probably just for the innovative like spots and and how energetic the match was yeah. and kind of unexpected so yeah I, very very pleasantly surprised yeah so then next up we have excuse me the main event of the evening with two chaos members going head to head Mad Mikey Nichols versus the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada so here we see the uh, best wrestler in the world wrestle a Largo Looper. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. I was not impressed with this matchup whatsoever. This like It literally did feel like Okada was wrestling a Largo Loop guy. Like this, you could have thrown in Kona Reeves. You could have thrown in Babatunde, Riddick Moss, Tito Sabatelli. Like... This match was... So you mean all that time in the PC didn't teach this man how to work? No. <laughs> oh, that's surprising. That's what, we hear that all the time, though. Dude, um, this match was a PC special. Like, this could have been the main event of a Minrig Hall show uh, on a night where all the top guys are I like I like Mikey Nichols' dedication to the headlock. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, you know, he's just grinding away. He came. This man came in with a... Strategy and he performed it to excellence. He executed it excellently. Excellently. Uh, no, you know. Here's what I'll say about Mikey Nichols, and I think we should keep it short and sweet because I don't think there's much to say here. Um, 
he's completely competent. Um, but at no point did I think that this was dynamic in any way. Yeah. Um, he might, you know, be able to. He's not foreign to Japan. He's wrestled in Japan for a right, long time. Right. Yeah. He he's a wrestler in Noah, and he's been in New Japan before. But it, you know, this is this guy's like many levels beneath Okada, uh, and this was a big opportunity for him to kind of showcase who he is, what he was capable of, and this was extremely forgettable. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah super underwhelming. Yeah, and I mean, it's like. This is why you're a tag team guy. Bring, bringing down the average. <laughs> yeah, you want to. Yeah, you want to talk about dudes bringing down the average. Bringing down the Mikey average. Nichols is bringing down the average. It, last year, um, anytime um, Kenny Omega would wrestle Cody, uh, good friend of the show, Rich Latta, he'd get pissed and he'd be like, "Man, this man's affecting Kenny's star ratings. This man's <laughs> bring it, bringing bring down, down the, the average." average. <laughs> yeah, well, Mikey Nichols definitely brought down Okada's average this oh, night. Oh my god, it's it's yeah. And, and that's unfortunate because wrestling is all about star ratings. So you know, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but he did he, he did nothing wrong. But nothing he did stood out either. Yeah, um, it was just it just fine. It was fine. I mean, it was it was a TV match. Yeah, and that's not not a good one either. Yeah. Um, there was also a lot of moments where you kind of felt like maybe he would capitalize on some it felt like Okada was giving him a lot and you feel like he'd capitalize on moments and it was like a lot of like near misses just things didn't click well yeah um so yeah but um Okada hits the rainmaker and uh wins one two three yeah um so that puts um Osprey versus Okada in the next round, the Chaos versus Chaos match. So on the A side of things, just to put in perspective, we have Yoshihashi taking on Ishii, and then we have Okada taking on um, uh, Will Ospreay. So that means all, we have four members. It's all Chaos on that side of the, the uh, brackets. Yeah. In addition to that, previously, um, Okada, he just defeated Mikey Nichols. So, And I think in the first round he beat, what, Elgin? Yep. So he's going to go from Mikey Nichols to Will Ospreay. Provided he beats Will Ospreay, he's going to end up in a semifinal against either Ishii or Yoshihashi. So it's an all-chaos affair. Uh, very, 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 very interesting because we've had a lot of speculation about the state of you know chaos in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, what do you think about this? Yeah, it, it's very interesting. I mean, with the whole, you know, we've been seeing this whole thing with Chaos teaming up with Sucky Gun guys and the home team, and all, everybody's kind of against the Bullet Club kind of thing. Everybody's stopping against stopping Jay White, and now that they're all kind of battling each other here in this tournament, yeah, it's very interesting. I'm not sure what to make of it. Do you think that this is something that is planting the seeds for a a split and a breakup? When it comes to, I know we don't always do speculation on the, but I think it's pertinent here. Yeah. Do you think with this storyline that we are seeing some sort of uh, potential split and maybe the disillusion of chaos, or is this something where we've talked about the re like rebuilding Okada and him regaining his status, and do you do you feel like maybe him going through the brackets and beating all his stablemates? Is him regaining their respect and regaining his stature and strengthening chaos and maybe like bringing bring it back together or is this like the the like this is basically the fallout of Jay yeah. White? 
and uh, I believe the uh, the ten year anniversary of Chaos is coming up soon. But I really do like I like that ex- explanation you gave of Okada kind of re- trying to get respect back by beating all these guys because you know I'm sure there had to be some doubt in a guy like Ishii and Goto's mind with Okada losing big matches, loss of Jay White at the Dome, and like why should we be following this guy if we can outperform him right now? Chaos it's, has always been a, a a group that was based on strength. Right. And if you're going to be the leader of that group, I mean, Jay White talked about it extensively last year about, you know, Okada, you know, not being as strong as he was, you know, kind of sowing doubt, that sort of thing. He's not the real leader. He's not a strong enough leader. Um, I do wonder if that's what's happening here. I also wonder if this is literally them um, starting to splinter or maybe it's the idea that... Okada is like through this course is hypothetically trying to regain their uh, you know devotion or however you want to put it but maybe it's causing resentment maybe it's causing you know like a a turnover I don't know yeah because hypothetically if he wins this whole tournament then he's going to not only go through an entire bracket of chaos members but then in turn, he's going to be challenging for the IWGP title. What happens if he beats all his own guys but then loses again, yeah. again to Jay White? It's a very compelling and interesting storyline. Yeah, and I mean, in the, in the six-man tag with Chaos versus Chaos, I mean, things were getting, I mean, they were in each other's faces, like, you know, really wanting to, like, beat each other. So. Yeah, you were mentioning the stuff with Goto, like, yeah. Yeah, then at the end of the, end of the matches, you would have like, um, Okada and Osprey facing off, and Osprey like up in Okada's face, like I'm gonna beat you. Yeah, and with Osprey kind of like rising up at the same time too, it makes you wonder how long can these two guys coexist together at this point? Because you know, Will's not that super junior anymore, right? You know, he's he's coming for the gold. <laughs> <laughs> I want the gold. I where, want the gold. Where the gold at? Um, yeah, so it's gonna be interesting to see where they go with the storytelling on that. Do you do you are you leaning one way or the other? How you think it's going? Um, I think I'm leaning more towards the res- him trying to get the respect of those guys because I feel like you know they just added Mikey Nichols to Chaos. I told you that that's them jumping the shark though. <laughs> and they did mention you know that the 10 year anniversary of Chaos is coming up, so I, I don't think that they're gonna break the group up just yet. Huh, interesting. I and see I'm kind of feeling like I've felt for a while like we are le- we are leading to a disillusion of this group. Mm-hmm. And whether it's tumultuous or whether it's amicable is hard to say. But with them kind of like you know, merging everything with all the Sekigun guys, it kind of starts to reshift a lot of those those uh loyalties and those lines and I think we've been seeing that. And I I think that regardless of what happens, that's where this is heading. I think that this is not strengthening chaos. I think it's gonna be it's gonna cause a split of some sorts. Yeah, so, that's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I could see it go going anyway, but I don't know. I'm just getting towards them event, not really breaking up chaos. Um, so that brings us to night seven um, of the New Japan Cup. We had the first tournament match this night was Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Risuke Taguchi. Uh, you know, throughout the multi-man matches, building up this match, Taguchi um, has been very aggressive with Tanahashi, um, getting him in the ankle lock post-match, jumping in from behind to get him in the ankle lock. Uh, so Taguchi, you know, try, trying to step up here. Did you like what Chris Charlton said? 
He said it was the ace versus the farce. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought it was uh, interesting here. Um, I like when Tanahashi kind of plays, like, his dickish persona a little bit. Yeah. And he, he was playing that up a bit here. Um, real interesting. You know, we, we kind of talked about Yoshihashi kind of having an easy path. Um, I don't know that anybody's had as easy a path as ha- Yoshihashi other than Tanahashi. I mean, he went through a young boy. Now he's going Got through a junior. junior. Yeah. Um, very, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just like, you know, in college basketball, they do the seedings and the, the number one seeds go up against like number 16. 16 yeah. That's kind of what this feels like. It, looks, <laughs> it feels like this guy got, got seeded real high and he's going up against some really low ranked teams. You yeah. Know, getting some easy rounds. Um, but with that being said, you're right. Taguchi did a really great job attacking the ankle. Uh, he was relentless with, with the ankle locks and stuff like that, but, um, Tanahashi kind of was ruthless in this match. Like, yeah, I mean, we got um, Dark Ace. He had the black tights on. And here's one of those situations where the crowd was chanting for the underdog. The crowd was firmly behind Taguchi majority of the matchup. And, um, you know, Tanahashi was leaning into that, kind of being a dickish heel, um, being a little bit more aggressive than he typically is. Well, it's just like, you know, and I like I like when Tanahashi's aggressive like that. Um Taguchi's in there doing his comedy stuff, having a laugh, telling jokes, and Tanahashi's like, nope, give me your leg. Dragon screw. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Come here, come here. Shote. Shote, yeah. Um, so, it, it, one thing with this match, though, for me, I thought it was a fine match. I thought it was enjoyable, but the crowd, they were in Corkin on this night. Yeah. The Corican crowd was eating up the near falls with Taguchi, and I just never did. Like, and I'm someone who usually does bite on near falls when mm-hmm. other people don't. Yeah. But when it came to this match, it's like, there's literally no chance. That's what you got. I don't know what they say after that. Something, Shane, too small. Crazy politicians. Yeah, but um, Taguchi was never going to get the fall. Like, he did block that sunset flip, and it was like a really close near fall, and people were buying into it. Dude, they were losing their minds. Yeah, and they thought we were going to see a big upset. And I I get it. It's the New Japan Cup. There are upsets, but come on, guys. Taguchi (laughs) is not beating Tanahashi ever. Like, it's never going to happen. So... Um, yeah, I just I thought it was fine, but I wasn't as into it as the crowd was. But if you told me that you were really into it, I wouldn't be surprised because they they did a, they had a good match. Um, I did like that Tanahashi beat him with the dragon suplex, though. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, know? but yeah, that was nice, and it kind of shows you like kind of establishes like I don't have to bust out a high fly flow for a guy like Taguchi. Think, I mean, Tanahashi should maybe stop busting out high fly flows in general. His <laughs> knees, my God. Uh, yeah. I was listening to another podcast. I think, uh, I don't remember which one. It was something on on Social Suplex. I think it was uh, NXT Then, Now, and Forever. They are talking about unathletic wrestlers. Oh, it was on uh, One Nation Radio. It was on One Nation Radio. Yeah, uh, this past week, yeah. James Boyd was talking about Tanahashi. He's like, my God, spray some AWD <laughs> 40 on them knees. I can hear him squeaking through the TV screen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Tanahashi defeated Shota Umino with a uh, with the Texas Cloverleaf, and then he defeated uh, Taguchi with the Dragon Suplex. 
So he yeah, he hasn't busted out a high five flow since the Jay White match. Yeah. But yeah, I mean overall, I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a fun match. I thought it was fun. I thought it was yeah. good. Yeah. Um so now three, three and a quarter. Yeah. Here here's where my bracket started. <laughs> Taking, see, see what had happened was <laughs> my bracket started everything was good up until this point, and here comes the nose dive, the beginning of the nose dive for my bracket. So we had Zack Sabre Jr. against Kota Ibushi. These men, no strangers to each other. They faced each other in New Japan Cup before. They faced each other in G1 Climax. These guys are very familiar with each other. Um, and you know, man, I just thought with Ibushi uh, re-signing the contract, they were going to go a little bit further with him in the tournament. But then, like you said last week, when you started talking to me about Zack Saber winning, and I'm just like, crap. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it makes total sense. You have the previous New Japan Cup winner make a run in this thing, and and, and you know what? I feel like a lot of people when they're doing their brackets, they just I he, what I feel like the predominant thought was, Abushi just resigned. He just returned. You know, this is a guy who's favored. A lot of people are like, I could see him winning the whole tournament. We had a lot of brackets that way. I think the other thing, too, is people were like, well, Zach beat him last year. There's no way mm-hmm. that they would have, that Gato would have him go over him again. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, man. Saber beat this guy, uh, tapped him out with the uh, Napalm Death. The orienteering napalm death. Yes. Um, um, I gotta say though, this match was a little bit disappointing for me. I would say this was one of the. This is the out of all the matches they've had. This is the worst saber abushi match I've seen. Uh, with that being said, I, I went four stars flat on it, but I was expecting. I was four and a quarter. Okay. A little higher than that. I was expecting more from these guys. With that being said, this was the. Best match of the second uh, second round, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So I mean, well, did you like that Archer and Osprey match better than this? Yeah. See, I, I didn't. I mean, I rated them both four stars. No, that's that that's totally understandable. But it's interesting how like we can look at these two guys and we talk about them having a four star match and being like, it's a little dis- it's a little disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> and then some other guys like have like a three and a half. And we're like, wow, that was. That was really something. <laughs> so we grade on a curve with some of this stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought this was excellent. I thought it was a. I thought it was a, a fine match. I agree with you. I think that this was the weakest of all the matches that these guys have had. Um, I think they've had. Uh, I don't know how many matches they've had now. Three. This is their fourth match. I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean the. I would say that this is closest in quality to maybe their first G1 match they had a couple years ago. Um, I, w- I rated them about almost the same, except for that. I feel like that one was the G1 match they had in 2017 was a little bit better just because it told a very – I liked the story that it told. But this was good, man. Um, you know, Zach made Abushi wrestle his match is what yeah. happened here. Yeah, this was a total Zach match. There wasn't a lot of flipping or diving or 
any you know big high spots from Abushi. Uh, you know, Abushi doesn't really do high spots and stuff like that. He gets dragged into Zack's game almost every time. But what has helped him to overcome in the matches that he has won usually is his striking game. Yeah, usually uh, he will outstrike um, Saber and just be he's a, he's a little bit stronger than Saber. And so he's just able to hit him with the right strike to like get him where he wants to. That's the other thing, too, is him powering out of some of the moves when he's able to reserve his strength. And when it comes to the closing stretch, he'll find interesting and creative ways to, uh, you know, to kind of deflect some of these submissions. But, um, you know, man, the first time they wrestled, it felt like pretty even footing between these two guys. Mm-hmm. And then last year, when they were in this tournament, Zach just ate Abushi alive. I mean, it was that was the best ma- one of the best matches of the tournament. Yeah. Um I thought it was better than this match, but yeah, he ate him alive and then they had that banger, that absolute banger in the G1 last year. Um and I feel like it's just so interesting. Zach just kind of learns from each prior experience and it's like, yeah, he he's got this guy. It's almost like he's starting to have he didn't always have this guy's number, but he does kind of. Yeah. And um yeah, it's like Zach's still a puzzle that Abushi hasn't completely solved or figured yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And also too, you can story wise, you could say that Abushi was kind of weakened from the Naito match. That's a good. Um, that's a, that's a great call. Yeah. I mean, those cause those guys literally kill each other and then plus you know Abushi's still been wrestling in multi-man matches, and so not having the proper time to fully recover. What did you think about that Kamigoi, uh, Kamigoi, uh dodge when he dodged it at the end of the match? That, dude, I was like, when he was like this close, like hitting, I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> and then he moved out the way. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I, I for for a few days now after we started kind of contemplating it on the show last week, I thought to myself. I think Zach's going to go to the finals. I really do. I think that that makes the most sense. With him winning the tournament last year, him making a name for himself, facing all the same competition that he did the year before, and then in the finals, getting a chance to face the man that he failed to defeat for the uh, the IWGB title just one year ago. I think it's a perfectly told story. It sounds just like a Gato. Yeah, it, it totally does. Like, now now it's been laid out, I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like, how did, I, I, how think, did I not... I think everybody who's I was doing blinded, their brackets... I was blinded by Ibushi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think everyone who's doing their brackets and is seeing this now is feeling... It's like deja vu. It's, ha- it's like, not again. Right. Well, not everybody. <laughs> there are a few brackets that were submitted that have Okada Saber in, in the finals. Well, you, well, aren't you guys just geniuses? <laughs> Those guys, they saw the vision, but yeah, man, I was I was blinded by the golden star, and golden star. <laughs> but really, it's Zack Saber time. Yeah, didn't you listen to the stuff Taka said? He's a submission master, <laughs> He's a pro wrestling master, bro. Yeah. So a lot of qu- couple questions here. Um, our boy Muzza. First of all, he says Mr. Jeremy Donovan got screwed in the Ricky and Clive quiz invitational. There's no changing of my mind. Uh, thanks for the support, uh, Muzza. Uh, Muzza, why don't you uh, come on the show? We'll do some trivia. We'll see who got who gets screwed by who. <laughs> uh, hey, go go back and listen to the quiz, guys. And you guys can listen to the quiz, but uh, I definitely won fair and square. Like uh, I don't know, there's some there's some questionable questionable calls there, but we'll we'll see. 
Ricky and Clive. I, I I I feel like you should have remembered who won the G ones. Ricky and Clive. I, I get how they're booking. They, you know they want. You know they're trying, they're trying to get another baby face over. So they had to put you over a top baby face, and then they're gonna get you over to the finals with another top baby face and get that guy over. There's no booking, bro. This was a shoot. Nah, this is this was a work. <laughs> Ricky Ricky's always talking about how things are a work, right? That that quiz was a work. That quiz was not a work. It's one of the greatest achievements of my life. I never win anything. So I'm still I, I'm enormously proud of what I did on that evening. Oh man, but no, but all all jokes aside, it was a fun quiz, guys. You should check it out on the archives, the Ricky and Clive uh, wrestling show. Uh, but his his actual question was. Uh, who has so far busted you guys at New Japan Cup brackets? ZSJ has busted mine, beating Ibushi. Um, yeah, Saber. I mean, is the main guy here. That's you know, I didn't really do a bracket this year, but some of the some of the uh, matches that I did not call correctly that I was surprised about. Believe it or not, I really thought that uh, I really thought Fale was going to beat Will Ospreay. Like that was a big one for me. Mm. Um. I don't want to sit here and say I, I've gotten everything right because, like I said, I didn't do any brackets. But like, yeah. that's the one match that really I was surprised about so far. Um, everything else been pretty. Oh, you know what? The other one, Chase beating Juice. I didn't expect that. Mm. Those were like the two really big ones for me. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of things, everything's kind of played out the way I kind of, I guess, expected it to. Yeah. Um, but I could see why a lot of people thought Abushi was going to win. I think Zach beating a beating Abushi was a, a big, big bracket deal. buster. Yeah. And then uh, when we go on to night eight, I mean, two more bullets were shot right through my bracket. <laughs> but uh, before we get to that, we have one more question from Reddit user Zach Save a Time, and he says, "What is your favorite ZSJ finisher?" I will list them all out because there's too many. The Zach Driver, Article Fifty, which is the cross arm breaker. Orienteering with Napalm Death. He says, I didn't even remember what this is. The Gym Break Special, which is the Omoplata Wrist Lock Combination. The Hyper Normalization, which is the Double Wrist Clutch Octopus Hold. The Young Boy Killer, which is the Double Leg Trap Chicken Wing Inverted Face Lock. The Hurrah, another year. Surely this one will be better than the last. The Azorable March of Progress will lead us all to happiness. There's the European Clutch, the double pump handle arm ringer into a bridged, bridging inverted jackknife pin. Or the Cremation Lily, which is the double Umaplata figure four stump puller combination. Dude, I, um, you know, I think my favorite move of his is probably listed there, but I think I was calling it something completely different than, <laughs> than what, um... What's your favorite Zack move? Honestly, it's the Zack driver. I like the Zack driver. Just because he doesn't use it all the time, but when he hits it, it comes out of nowhere, and it's so devastating and puts the opponent away. It's like his only like really big impact move. So I'm a big fan of the Zack driver. Uh, if I had to pick a submission, I, 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 I think you like the orienteering, don't you? That much. one, I like the orienteering, but I also like the cremation lily, the, uh, the stump puller that he did on Juice Robinson. Oh, yeah, that one's nasty. That, that one's like, you're screwed. Like, you're not getting out of that. If he gets you that in the middle of the ring, like, you're done. <laughs> okay. 
there's a move that he did that he was using in progress. Um, man, I we're right on the air. Um, he beat Pete. Yeah, Pete Dunn. No, I'm sorry. Um, is Pete Dunn the big strong boy? No, Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate. That's right. The move that he beat Tyler Bate with in uh, their match in progress is was like just an incredible move. I I was calling it the impossible lock. This is what it looks like. Okay, yeah, that. And no one gets out of this thing, but I don't know if it's listed there or not. So I think that's because that's a double leg trap chicken wing, right? It, I wouldn't or, call that. No, or I don't know what he calls this. Literally, um, I, I guess it's the the hyper normalization. Is that one of the names? Yeah, double double rich clutch octopus hold. Is that the hyper normalization? Yeah, that's that's my favorite move. Okay. Of his, I you know I didn't know that that's what he called it. I I thought it was called the impossible lock. That move's just freaking incredible, and it's one of those things where <laughs> once you're in it, you're not getting out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's I think that that's my favorite move of his. But we don't really see it, and we haven't seen it in New Japan like at all. I don't think at all. No. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe at a certain point, but um, but it's not mem- not not a memorable match. No. All right, so um, let's move on to the final night of round two, night eight, the night that continued to kill my bracket. <laughs> <laughs> we had the comedy all star match between Boom Boom Colt Cabana and Toru Yano. So, are, are you a fan of of the Yano Cabana matches? Um, their style. No, but I I don't have a problem with it either. Like I'm not gonna come on the air and bury it. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't like it. I from what I understand, a lot of people on Twitter were talking crap or whatever, and some people love it. I I suppose. Um, I just I kind of got a kick out of it, but me getting a kick out of it was mostly because I just imagined that you liked this match a lot. I mean. I dude, I was laughing. I enjoy. It. I enjoy. Here's the thing. I know what you like. <laughs> so and I uh, like. I imagined you and Rich watching it as if like the parts I knew that you guys would laugh at is the stuff that I laughed at. But it was more. It wasn't because I was popping. It was because I knew that it's stuff that would pop you guys. Yeah. But I wasn't like. Uh, I didn't have a problem with it. It's just this wasn't my favorite thing. Like I, for, to me, I only really get into Yano's comedy matches during the G1. That's the I have a special reserved spot in my heart for <laughs> Yano's G one runs, and then that's about it. Yeah, dude. I I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, honestly, from a match quality, I mean, it wasn't like uh, any kind of craziness. But I mean, it depends on it depends on your criteria. Right. But, but here's the thing: going people got mad about this match, but going into this match, you already know what it is with Toriano. Yeah. You already know what it is with Coca Banda, especially at this part of his career. Both of these guys, they are experts in the comedy style of match and as soon as you saw that they were paired together you should know what you were expecting you know it's going to be you you don't expect them to start shooting and like do some kind of crazy five star match you know that they're going to do this kind of comedy match there's some really egregious things that happen in pro wrestling today I mean we can talk about the Priscilla Kellys of the world we can talk about the Joey Ryan's dick flips you know um, Izzy out here wrestling grown men (laughs) You know, yeah. Uh, there's a lot, and just look at some of the stuff that happens in DDT. This is far from the most egregious thing <laughs> that could be going on in your pro wrestling. Um, and I think everyone kind of knew what this was. Obviously, if you're gonna have 
Yano and Cabana wrestle, this is what you expect and right. want out of it. They would probably be doing a disservice if they didn't do this. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted – I would have rather had Makabe and Davey Boy Smith Jr. personally because that would be a much better match. But they wanted to do the comedy dream match. This stuff was funny. You know, Colt was just kind of out there. I, I did like the idea of the, the story of Colt outsmarting Yano all the time. Yeah. That's something that you don't see a lot. It's kind of funny. Like when he taped up the ring posts. Yeah, keep it. Yeah, keep the pad on. He kept the pads on by taping them up, which was funny. And then when he threw the uh, the DVD into the crowd. So. Oh, yeah. Yana was, <laughs> Yana was pissed. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. And then they had the whole, you know, throwing the pad back and forth and throwing it to red shoes, that whole thing. It was funny. Yeah. But eventually, Cabana blocks a low blow. Um, and then he counters into the Superman pin. For the win, Colt Cabana has advanced again in the New Japan Cup. How about when um when he was shelled up, like he was Steve Gray and uh, and Yano was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was really funny. But yeah, man, Colt Cabana. I would have never have guessed Cabana making it this like advancing again into the New Japan Cup. Why? He's a former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> Why do you doubt this man? Because it's Cole Cabana. He's MJF's dad. <laughs> uh, one half of the uh, Second City Saints. It's one of the greatest, one half, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. They, they, the Second City Saints are great, bro. They have a bond that will never be broken. Don't get me wrong. I love Cole Cabana. It doesn't matter what happens to them. They can go through anything. They're always going to be friends. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see what the those lawsuits say about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude, I don't remember. I love Cabana. I think he's cool. I've always enjoyed him watching Ring of Honor over the years. But at this part of his career, like, I just I would not have expected him to get this. This is the Cinderella run of the tournament. Yeah, this is the real. <laughs> yeah, you think about Yoshihashi. <laughs> Coco Cabana is the Cinderella run here. Oh man. But yeah, man. This... I mean, it's fine. Like, it's it's whatever. Like, this is what you know. This is what Gato wanna do. This is what Gato It's not fine. Do. It's ruining my bracket. <laughs> Gato and his games are messing up my bracket. I, I'm out not here. surprised he beat Yano. I'm surprised he beat Makabe. But if he beats Makabe, then I think he should beat Yano. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So then the main event of night eight was the Cold Skull Sonata against the King, Minoru Suzuki. Yo. When are they going to tell this man to cut, cut his that freaking beard, bro? <laughs> Dude, yeah, it, it's. I mean, I'm not any kind of fashionista or anything, but it's it's not it's not it's not it, Chief. It's not it, Chief. <laughs> like literally, I don't know how they would say it, like in in Japanese, but I want him to like come into like the uh, the Lij like locker room and like Naito be like Chief. <laughs> Shingo, shake this head. Yeah, bro. Chief, what are you doing? Yo, get rid of that fuck shit off your. <laughs> this man's trying to get under, bro. Oh. You know, Lij's over. This man's trying to get under, like literally. Oh my god. But um, I mean, what do you think of this match? I mean, this this is a rematch of of something we just saw on the uh, previous tour. Yeah, and so. Honestly, I was a little bit underwhelmed with this match. 
Mm, I'd agree. I was expecting a little bit. I think I liked their the previous match better. I did too. Yeah. And pretty soon, I, I think we're going to need to have a dialogue about Sonata. Let's start a dialogue. A dialogue yes. Because <laughs> everybody loves Sonata. Do they? From what I see, people love Sonata, and people were excited that Sonata won this match, and that he's moving on, and all the athletic stuff he can do. But we're starting to see time for time where Sonata's in these big matches and these big main events. He doesn't completely deliver. Well, you're right, but let's also say this. He always does he always does deliver. He just doesn't always completely deliver like you just said. Like there's a there's a ceiling for Sonata. Like right. there's some sort of weird it's like a mental block yeah, or something. I guess what I'm trying to so, so people kind of view him as a guy that should be on the rise like as an IWGP champion. But his main events don't always output what an IWGP champion should. For me, like, when he beat um, Tanahashi in the G1 in, like, it was his first night, his first G1, like, 2016, 2015, I was like, oh, my God, they're making, this man's going to be a freaking star. And it's, like, three or four years later... He's in the same spot. And a lot of G1 main events later, a title challenge later, and yeah, he is kind of in the same spot. Um, now, that's not to say... Bro, I, I really loved his title challenge against um, Okada. Okada last yeah. year. Don't get me wrong. There are some matches like that, that Okada match, and a lot of times some of the LIJ tag team title matches... Where he comes through, he delivers. And even like, even some of his singles matches, like yeah. he had a really good match against Zack Saber last year. Yes, yes, that Saber match was very good. His matches with um, Ibushi and um, Kenny Omega were both really good. Mm-hmm. But they they don't leave you feeling like this man has transcended. Right, is yeah. that's the thing you never you kind of feel way. like the guys that he's in there with, kind of Omega and Ibushi. A Tanahashi, it's because of them why the match kind of reached the next level. Sonata comes off as a utility guy. Yeah. Is what ends up happening. He doesn't come off as a star. Yeah. That's, you know, he comes off more like a star when he does those hot tags and those uh, tag matches, and you're like, wow, this guy's incredible. But then he has these singles matches, and he's really good. But, you know, I don't know. There's almost like a... I hate to say this, but like a Ziggler sort of th- deal. Mm, yeah, kind of comes off like a utility guy. Yeah, and he and there's no reason he shouldn't. And it it does seem to be like a lack of motivation, like a, a, a like a laziness. Like he has ev- he's got all the tools, as they say. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. In this match, I feel like we saw that. And bro, Suzuki, I think Suzuki really likes Sonata because he gives him a, a lot, lot. Yeah, like. Sells for him in a way that he really doesn't sell for a lot of guys. Um, you know, he was willing to sell for him, trade with him. Um, they did a lot of fast-paced spots, and you could tell that like Suzuki trusts him because Suzuki's allowing him to do a lot of kind of a lot of spots that have the potential to be screwed up. Sonata's competent in all those ways. Like you know, Sonata's not going to f up and 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 mess up, you know, Suzuki or whatever. Right. Um, I thought Suzuki looked great in this match, man. I mean, he was just as fast or faster. Oh, than yeah. Sonata. And this brutal the strikes and yep. submissions, working that that sleeper hold, um, working the uh, the leg, the the knee bar. Yep. 
there's some stuff. Sonata did that moonsault into a skull's end, which was really oh yeah, that was like cool. straight up AJ Styles. Um, good good submissions and reversals. Um, again, we gotta say I know we say it all the time, but Sonata's skull end looked really really bad in this match. Yeah, like it did. this is like one of the especially bro, you're wrestling Minoru Suzuki. He's a former king of pancakes, bro. He's <laughs> yeah, a founding man, father lock, of MMA. Lock that thing in, man. Yeah, lock it up. It, and I wasn't a hu- huge fan of the whole spot where they were, like, trading the knee bar and skull in. I, I liked it at first, but I felt like they did it too much. Yeah. Oh, that was some... That was some uh... Some pancreas stuff there. Basically. Mm. It was like a callback to some pancreas stuff. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Like, it started off cool. Also, kind of cool that they kept doing it. I was like, all right, yeah. I, I get it. You guys can both reverse. Like, come on, like, do something different now. My my problem with it was like um, Suzuki found a way out of the skull end, mm-hmm. but then like moments later, Sonata hit a moonsault, which and and got the win, and that didn't really make sense to me because the whole match. The whole match, Suzuki was working over the legs. This man, like, just pops up, hits a freaking moonsault, and that's it. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Sonata's working the skull end the whole match. You would think eventually that he would, that would be the finish. No, not against Suzuki. <laughs> like, that's not going to be the finish against Suzuki. And I'm, I have no problem with him winning by moonsault. It makes sense to me, mm-hmm. but my problem with it is... You did a whole a whole match based on mat work, based on you know leg work, and then you pop up, you hit a high a high spot, and it's one two three. I just I didn't like the finish to be honest with you. Um, so it's interesting, but people seem to be very excited for Sonata going into the next round, and uh, you know he's got Cabana, and I find I don't think Cabana's gonna beat him. So <laughs> yeah. So um, question here from Reddit user Jai Brian. He says. How surprised are you guys going to be when Sonata wins the New Japan Cup? I've I've thought he's a dark horse candidate to win it, but I don't think he's going to win it. Right. I mean, with the He's m- not going to win it. Actually, I'm just going to tell you right now, like he's not going to win it. Dude, with the implications of the Madison Square Garden main event on the line, like Sonata versus Jay White is not it. Like that that would be Chief. <laughs> yeah, that would be a big mistake. Bro, like, I, I want to be like, yo, if he headlines Madison Square Garden, then I'll stop doing this show. Like, <laughs> that's almost how confident I feel. Like, Seiya Sonata is not freaking headlining with Jay White. Dude, if this was any other New Japan Cup where the winner gets a title shot, yeah. Sakura Genesis or Dantaku or some other tour, I'd be like, sure. Yeah. Sonata could win. Yeah, let's do Sonata and uh, Jay White at one of these other, you know, tours. Sure, go for it. Why not? You know, it's it's a flavor of the month title shot. You know what you sound like? What? You sound like Jan on The Office when she's talking about why she didn't let Michael father her children. <laughs> she's like, she's like, sure, if I was younger and, you know, why not let Michael have a crack at one of these kids? She's like, but I'm old. She's like, I got to make this one count. And it's yeah. like, they might only be in Madison Square Garden one time. They got to make this one count. Yeah. They're not going with Sonata. And the way things are kind of going in the in the West with New Japan, like, they need to knock it out the park with this main event. I mean, they're not going with Sonata, so it's, I'm not, I, I, there's no need for me to feel surprised, because, yeah. uh, 
I think the story is pretty obvious. Like he's gonna get beat by Zack Saber, and that's gonna be it. Yeah. Um. So now we're gonna go into our kind of final predictions because this week we have the Elite Eight, the Final Four. And then the finals. The finals are on Sunday coming up, March twenty fourth. So let's busy week. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a busy week of New Japan. Uh, before we go into that, though, we had a question from uh, Just a Little Bear zero one. He says, "Who surprises you the most still being in after two rounds?" Uh, for me, it's Cole Cole Cabana. Cabana. Yeah, boom boom Cole Cabana. Cole Cabana. Yeah, I mean, why is he still in it? <laughs> I mean, every other guy could be like, okay. It I feels can... like some sort of make good with Ring of Honor. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, of all, of all the Ring of Honor guys that you could have brought in this tournament and had them advance, like, Colt Cabana? It is what it is, man. Yeah. Um, and then a question here from Reddit user Seth101793. With the final eight now revealed, how do you see the rest of the New Japan Cup is going to play out? So that's exactly what we're going to do next. Um, so first we have uh, Will Ospreay versus Kazuchika Okada. Well, um, we'll get into it into the news, but they've made it very clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, if any of you have seen it on social media, or if you were watching the Ring of Honor 17th anniversary telecast this past weekend, um, it is official. Will Ospreay will be facing. Well, it's, not, it's not official. It's official. Goto challenged Will Ospreay. No, not Goto. I Cobb. mean, um, excuse me, Cobb challenged Will Ospreay. They never came out and said that this match is actually happening yet. That's official, bro. <laughs> it's official. And Will Ospreay was on social media, and he said, "Well, he tried to make like cover it up, and he's like, well, 'Well, I'll just wrestle twice on on.'" That night at Madison Square Garden, yeah, which is not unlike Will Ospreay to do. <laughs> yeah, but let's stop delaying the fact. Let's let's stop trying to kayfabe the show. Jeremy, okay, you're supposed to be you're I'm, supposed to be a, a white hat. Okay, I, I'm I'm, just, I'm trying to help out Ring of Honor. You're supposed to be a technical here. <laughs> I'm trying to put. I'm trying to help our friends over at Ring of Honor out. They're not our friends. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, uh, it's pretty clear he's not going to beat uh, Okada because. They've, he's already got a match booked for, you know, MSG. Unless they decide to, like, unless it's a red herring and they're not doing the Cobb match, kind of like how they threw up, a like, a little red herring with G.O.D. and... Uh, Briscoes. And the Briscoes, so I don't know. But, um, and we still don't know what's going to happen with that. I've got a feeling that... It's going to be a three-way? Maybe. But, uh... And even if that wasn't thrown out there, I still would have gone with Okada. I think Okada is going to defeat Will Ospreay. He's going to uh, do the hat trick, one, two, three. This will be their third meeting, and he's beating him for the third time straight in a row. Yeah, I feel like this will be the the closest that Ospreay comes to beating Okada. But once again, like you mentioned, Okada is going to clean him out. And um, like you are saying, even with this Never Title match, if this match was not announced, I still, like you said... Would have go with Okada here. This for me is the match I, I'm most anticipating since the Ibushi and Naito match in this tournament. So I'm very excited. Yeah, this, I didn't think we we're getting this match. Yeah, this match has the potential to be the match of the tournament. To be five stars, it could break the scale. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm expecting great things from this one. 
Um, I think what's really interesting is the the other match in the same bracket. We have Yoshihashi taking on the Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii. And um, we have seen Ishii and Yoshihashi both compete against uh, um, Okada in the past Mm -hmm. in singles competition during the G1. We saw that uh, Yoshihashi was defeated uh, just this past G1 against Okada. Um, Tomohiro Ishii actually holds a singles victory over um, Okada Okada from the 2016 G1, which he never did get uh, a rematch or a title shot based off of that, which at the time I believe Okada was the champion. Yeah, he was. So very, very interesting, and we've already kind of covered the the chaos implications, but um, do you feel like, because we're already getting... A match that people said was too big to give away. They were like, there's no way they're doing Okada and Will Ospreay. It's too big to give away in this tournament. They're giving it away. I think everyone with a brain knows that Ishii and Okada is like probably the next biggest match you could do within Chaos. Do you feel like that's too big to give away and they do do a Cinderella run for Yoshihashi? I don't think so. I mean... Or you think the Stone Pitbull is going to be the last formidable test for you know yeah I, yeah I think Ishii is going to be, be the last test I think Ishii and Yoshihashi based off the multi-man matches they're going to have a nice little strong style match uh, and Ishii is eventually just going to um, outpower Yoshihashi put him away with the brain buster and go against Okada yeah I could see, that's one that I'm not as confident on I could see Yoshihashi winning this and go and being the final guy to take on uh, Okada if it is, but I hope it's Ishii. And I'm telling you right now, if it's Ishii, then that will be the match of the tournament. Period. Yeah. Okada Ishii will be the match of the tournament, and we're talking match of the year contender, like a, like a legit contender for match yeah. of the year. But yeah, I, I don't think it's too big to give away here. So game. we're so we're predicting right now. We're going Ishii, Okada. And then Okada and Ishii with Okada going over. Yep. That's our official predictions. Yep. So on the other side of the bracket, we have Sonata against Colt Cabana. I think that's an open and shut. Uh, if Colt Cabana wins, some something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sonata needs to go to the uh, semifinals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally expect Sonata to win here. Um, and then we have Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr., a rematch of last year's finals of the New Japan Cup. This uh, is a tough one. Yeah. A really tough one. Because, I mean, there's two ways you can go here. You got a fresh Tanahashi. Yeah, Tanahashi had a cakewalk in this tournament, yep. defeating Umino and Taguchi. Um, you had Sabre. Um, he's had to battle Abushi, And who was his first round? Um, Evil. Evil, yeah. So, I mean, there's two... W- you know, great matches you can go with here. You could have Tanahashi win, and then you get Tanahashi Okada once again. Well, you have Tanahashi and Sonata first. Oh, yeah. Well, Tanahashi will beat Sonata. (laughs) I'm not fully confident Sonata doesn't go to the The finals. finals. I think that's a possibility. Uh, I think there's a story there with Tanahashi and Okada, because the last time they wrestled, Tanahashi beat him. So that would be... You're right. That would be the final, the real final test for Okada going back to being full Raymaker is beating Tanahashi, and then that would elevate him to you know getting the IWGP title. 
that's true. There's also the idea that like Sonata's the last member of LIJ. Right. He, I think he was unable to overcome Okada the last time that they wrestled. Mm-hmm. There, there's a story. But yeah, there, too. There, yeah, there is a key to Sonata being the only LIJ guy. Because they, they took Evil and Naito out in the first round. Right. And you you kind of need that LIJ presence going on throughout this tournament. So, yeah, there is a path for Sonata to get to the finals and to tell that Okada-Sonata story. And then also you have the Zack Sabre-Okada story where you have, once again, Sabre beating Tanahashi once again. Then you have him beating Sonata once again. And then he's the, the champion from last year. You know, he's a, a favorite. He you, He's awesome in these tournaments. You have Saber going to the finals, thinking he's going to win again, and well, you know he's never beaten Okada, so he's finally he thinks he's finally going to beat Okada and become but, a New Japan Cup champ. But keep in mind, just one small correction: you're jumping over Sonata again. I said beat Sonata. Oh, okay, but you kind of just jumped over it, and I think there's a, another interesting element there. This is the dude who got Sonata out of the tournament last year. Mm-hmm. You could hypothetically, with Sonata, you have two guys. In front of him that Sonata's beat before. Mm-hmm. Sonata has beat Zack Sabre. He beat him during the G1 last year. He's also got a G1 victory tournament victory over Tanahashi. And I don't think... that Now, I'm not predicting that he's going to go to the finals. But I feel like it's too dismissive to be like, he's definitely losing. He's not going to the finals. Because the finals ain't MSG. You know what I'm right. saying? And I feel like he can have a great... Like, if they... Everyone who's like... Would you be surprised if he wins the whole thing? It's like, he's not winning the whole thing. But, like, would I be surprised if Sonata goes to the finals? That's a big push. Yeah. That's a really big push. And they could do that. I don't think they are. I just want to say, though, I want everyone to, like, hear very clearly. Because I feel like it's, Well, like, I said there's a, there's a story for Sonata going to the finals. But, and I, but I don't think it's as... Unlo- like, I feel like you're, like, it's not happening. Like, well, I mean, out of, fuck them. Well, no. Out of all scenarios, out of all the stories, like... The Sonata story to me is like the last. It's not the the hot option for me. Yeah. Like if I'm booking this thing, I'm going either Okada Tanahashi or Okada Saber. The other thing too is I feel like even if you do go Okada Tanahashi or Okada Saber, you can't just gloss over Sonata because he has a pivotal history with both these men, and it's an important part of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way how with us predicting Okada going forward, he, like every match is has these important stories because of how they. The, the built-in chaos, you know, um, you know, memberships and their teams and all that, um, with them being stable mates, that's kind of important. Yeah, I I really think, and I could be wrong here, but this is just this is my gut instinct. Um, last year in this tournament, Zack Saber beat Tanahashi, he beat Sonata, he beat Ibushi, those, and he beat Naito. Those were all the guys he beat. It's like the Three of the same guys he beat back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's. I think he's going to the finals. I really do. Um, I think you could go Tanahashi, but I think they they put Tanahashi in the finals of this tournament just last year. He was mm-hmm. in the finals of the G One last year. He won at Wrestle Kingdom. He won. He had a title. You know, reign. I don't think they're. I don't think they're putting Tanahashi in the finals. I also think that there's a story to be built between Tanahashi and Okada one last time, potentially. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're doing it here. I think it's too soon for that crap. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning more towards um, Saber going to the final. 
Um, you you kind of get that a babyface heel dynamic there, and you just get the story of the former last year's New Japan Cup winner hitting the finals again. Okada's the one guy he always has trouble with. So, I also think it's important because, and Zach's mentioned this on commentary, like he's never been beaten March. Like he's the new Mr. March. Like, you know what I'm saying? Forget like, you, Goto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's the new Mr. March. And like this guy uh, has been dominant in this tournament last year and thus far. So, for in order for like Okada to really overcome in this tournament, like he's got to beat the guy who's like unbeatable in this tournament. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's an important story. And it's also a redemption story for Zach because Zach was unable to beat Okada just one year ago. I think it's a, it's an easy to see story. I think the other ones make sense and you could go that way. And if they could throw us a curveball, but Mm -hmm. I really think we're getting Zach and, and, uh, and Okada. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the way I'm going. I wouldn't be too surprised if they do end up doing the Tanahashi story. I wouldn't either. Uh, just because, you know, Tanahashi just lost to Jay White, so he wants another crack. And plus the whole thing about Oka- him beating Okada the last time. So I wouldn't be completely surprised. I mean... S- I wouldn't be completely surprised S- if they do Sonata either. Sonata is the one thing where I'm like... To me, I'd be like, oh, okay. This is- I think that they love to push new stars. People talk about, like, pushing, you know, Sonata. I think there's a reason he's the last guy in the tournament out of LIJ. They, mm-hmm. they took the tag titles off of them. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the finals and gets a, get, uh, gets a, a crack at Okada. We've already seen the kind of chemistry these two guys have together. Mm-hmm. You want to get somebody over the same way how they used this tournament to get uh, um, Zack Sabre over. They could do that in the finals. Now, granted, I don't think Sonata's had a great tournament thus far. Right. So I feel like that's one of the reasons why people might be like, eh, I don't know yet. But... I mean, you got to imagine he's going to have probably a good to great match against either um, Tanahashi or Zack Saber. Either way, we've seen we've seen him have great matches. Those are two of his best opponents he's ever had. So yeah, and then if he does go to the finals against Okada, he's going to have a great match there. I could really see that happening, but I'm going to tell you my official pick right now for the finals is Okada Zack Saber. And I see Okada going uh, going over. Okada's winning this tournament. He's going to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, so we have a question here from Reddit user JQNCG. He says, what do you think about the possibility of Okada, that Okada wins the cup now that he's the undisputed favorite? Should he win the title at MSG? So I kind of, we kind of gave our thoughts. We're both going with Okada winning this tournament. Now, should he win the title at MSG? I say yes, because I'm going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to see the I want to see the rainmaker win the belt in the uh, garden and I'm history. Gonna, I'm, and he, I'm gonna say yes for that reason also because you know all of us will be there um, at the MSG show. But I just think from a story perspective, I think it's the right call. You know, you've had Jay White just one up and one up and get the better of Okada and Chaos um, for almost a year now, and I think it's time for um, Okada to get some comeuppance and get some revenge on. The switchblade. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I think that's where we're headed. I think that's going to be a great main event. And, and um, yeah, I want to see it. Um, question from ninety one reasons you lose. You guys think New Japan will go a second champ in a row without a successful defense? After all, the building of White Gato has has done. If Okada wins the New Japan Cup, I can't see him losing to White again. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think Okada. 
gets this thing. Yeah, we, we discussed this a few weeks ago. And I, thank you for the question. It's a great question. But I it, it was something we kind of touched on a few weeks ago where many times when guys get their first ever IWGP title reign, they're not always long reigns. Right. We've seen that there's a lot of like historical references you can point to where that has been the case for lots of guys where they don't – maybe they get one successful title defense or none. Um, and I think that – they have even without him having a successful title defense. I mean, Jay White has been built up like a freaking monster. I mean, yeah, and like you mentioned last week, the Osprey match kind of served like it wasn't an official title defense, but that kind of served like a big one-on-one main event. Not match. only that, but just the like streak of singles guys he's beat in a row. I mean, Osprey, Tanahashi, Okada in the Dome. It doesn't really get much bigger than those three in a row. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he has to have this monster title reign and defend all the way through the G1 up until, you know, Wrestle Kingdom to to have a memorable run. I mean, it doesn't get much more memorable than that. I mean, he beat I mean, three monsters yeah, back to back. Yeah, I mean, they've heated him up to the point where he doesn't really need the belt to be a main eventer. Like, he's an he's established main event guy now. Yeah, and I think with them being in Madison Square Garden... The reality is, as much as we say that Jay White's the guy, we only mean that in one context. We mean Jay White is the guy that they want to push on the foreign side of things. Don't get it twisted. The guy in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The ace. The ace is Okada. Okada's not coming to Madison Square Garden to lay down for nobody. (laughs) Okay? Especially not dusty old Jay White. The four-star savior. (laughs) No, I'm just playing, but they're gonna they're gonna have a great match, and um, it's gonna. I think that that's why they had Jay White beat him clean in the dome is so that he can get his comeuppance in the Garden. This is gonna be a special moment. It's gonna be a special night. Okada's winning the belt. That's what's happening. And I'm sorry that I'm Nostradamus on you boys right now, <laughs> but that's what's happening. Yeah, that's that's. I'm right there with you, man. All right, so we have a few kind of off-topic questions. We'll answer those real quick, and then we'll jump into the news. Um, first question comes from Twitter user at ProRestMatthew. He says, thoughts on Shota Umino's anger towards the New Japan dads? Ooh, I'm not as familiar with this. Is this something he's been talking about during... Uh... I think what he's alluding to is just um, Umino's performances in the multi-man matches against um, you know guys like Nagata and uh, Kojima and um, Tenzan. We've, we've seen it in the past where the Young Lions, they fire up. And I think especially after the Tanahashi performance, Omino's kind of like on a new high right now, and he wants to prove that he is a top-level guy. And so that's why he's getting in the face of a Nagata and a Kojima. One of the post-matches, him and Nagata were kind of going at it. Um, so I think it's just like they're kind of getting Omino ready for excursion and getting ready for the next level. And Young Lions always kind of try their luck with New Japan dads because those are the guys that kind of train them throughout the dojo and they kind of want to show, show their teachers like, hey, I, I'm, I'm more than just a young boy. Like, I'm, a, I'm a top athlete. Yeah, no, th- those are great points. I actually feel like, and I, I apologize, guys, I've been slacking a little bit. I've, I've kept up with this tournament, but I haven't been watching the undercards or the, uh, the post-match comments as much. And I'm wondering if Amino's been saying something in the post-match comments that maybe I'm missing out on here because I don't have enough... Uh, you know, perspective on this, but um, I mean, you watched all the matches. Did, did you see him like doing anything especially like uh, 
fiery when it came to the new the the dads the, these past. Well, yeah, there was one there was one multi man in particular. Where, like after the match, like he like hit Nagata and like got in Nagata's face, and they had to like pull um, Umino and Nagata apart. Um, nice. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I I need to catch up on some of this, but um, that's interesting. Maybe they're giving him like a, a storyline. You know, maybe we get a. Uh, Umino uh, trial series. Well, we've we've seen U- Umino and um, Nagata, Nagata on the, on the uh, numerous uh, Young Lions project, Lionsgate. Yeah, project, Lionsgate. Yeah, which they kind of have phased those out this year. I haven't seen one in a long time. I'm yeah, wondering when they're going to do another one. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, very interesting. I hope I hope that there's some sort of clear direction for what they're looking to do with Shota Umino and the the dads. That would be cool. I mean, I really enjoyed. When they did the dad series with uh, Shibata a few years ago, I thought it was an interesting thing. And, you know, we just saw Nagata have one of the best matches of the entire <laughs> tournament. You know, what I think is the leading candidate for strong style fight of the year right now. Yeah. And um, lo- I would love to see him, like, mix it up with Shota Umino. Yeah. Really good stuff. Um, Asahi, Asahi underscore Yojimbo um, said, sent three days ago. Is a fear of New Japan's possible new "quote unquote" dark age an overemphasis on the elite's popularity here in the states? Does there really even need to be a Gaijin ace? If so, why? Um, so is that some people are saying that we're in a new dark ages? Because we say that, but we're just like kind of joking. Is that like a Twitter thing? Honestly, I haven't said it, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if people are saying that. I mean, with you know Jay White. As a champion in the main event, you know, people are, have already been saying New Japan's like falling off a cliff. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, with I do think there, and we'll, we'll talk about this later in the news. I mean, there the elite leaving has struck a blow in the Western expansion of New Japan. Um, Not just that, but AEW existing. <laughs> yeah. Has done the the exact same thing that you just mentioned, right? And now I I don't, but I wouldn't consider it a dark age. I mean, we have to remember that Japan is the main market for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and things are going still going great in the homeland in the domestic market. Uh, there's still ticket sales are still going great there for all those shows. Uh, as far as I've been hearing, I haven't heard anything. You know, tickets not selling or anything crazy going on over there. So things are going fine in the homeland. Um, uh, Dark Age is just like, that's such a crazy thing to say. Right. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I watched New Japan during the Dark Ages. This ain't it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, when, when the match quality goes down, I'll call it a Dark Ages. When the booking quality goes down, I'll call it a Dark Ages. When the houses go down, I'll call it a Dark Ages. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I haven't seen any of those things happen. Now, it can't be underestimated or understated how valuable Kenny, the Bucks, Marty, Hangman, Cody, the whole package. These are stars. And, you know, they're selling out giant, you know, arenas across the country without even – with just being a shirt, uh, t-shirt company basically. <laughs> um, no, but all kidding aside, like they're huge stars and, you know, AEW getting a foothold here in the U.S., it's going to cause problems for the ambitious expansion into the U.S. And we'll talk about it here in a little while, but it's 
clear that it's you know causing a rift and an issue with New Japan being able to expand into the U.S. I also think that there's a good chance that many people who were quote unquote New Japan fans might have just been elite fans, and you're probably going to see a large siphoning off of the fan base, whether they were really New Japan fans, elite fans, anti WWE fans. I don't know. But we are seeing that, you know, as a case. But I'm not ready to call this a Dark Ages. Right. Um, I mean, dude, like, yeah, the Dark Ages almost killed New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, they almost, they they were going to stop existing. <laughs> yeah. They're, um, they're nowhere near that point right now. They're at their most profitable. They're doing their biggest gates. And now, can they continue to do that? I don't know. And I mean... Obviously, we're New Japan Podcast. We love New Japan as a product. So we're going to be biased to some degree in our evaluations. I try to be as uh, objective as I possibly can be. But in no way is this a dark ages. Like yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. When we're seeing Will Ospreay and all these guys get these opportunities and pushes, like, no, no, I'm not ready to say that at all. Um, as far as, like, a Gaijin ace, it's kind of always had one. Yeah, um, they've kind of always had one, but I do feel like with them trying to have a Western expansion, it does help having a top guy who's a gaijin that you can use to help draw the house, help kind of somebody that the Western fans can kind of connect with. Now, is it 100% necessary? I don't think so. Because, I mean, if you are a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling, bringing over Okada to the West will be a big deal for you. I, I Here's my thing with the the whole someone being a, a Gaijin ace and them being like, I think we're seeing it with Jay White, you know? And um, I'll say this, like Jay White, we, we sing his praises all the time, how incredible he is, yada, yada, yada. Jay White's not going to draw here in the US. You know what I'm saying? Like Jay White's not going to show up at PWG and, and be marketable. He's not going to show up in ROH and pop the house. Why is that? Is it because he's, you know, not marketable, not intriguing, or any of these things? No, that's not what it is. He doesn't have a connection to the Western audience because he's not I mean, yeah, he did an excursion in ROH, but he didn't he hasn't he didn't build a fan base here in the US. Right. I think the whole thing with why it worked with the elite and there's a lot of reasons why it worked but it's ROH PWG their time on the indies Cody was from WWE you know the the TV that they were that they were featured on with ROH and all these different things and a little bit of impact impact being the elite i mean it took years for them to build up and cultivate what they have now which is what they were able to catapult and turn into AEW it's a totally different thing. It has nothing to do with them being white. It has nothing to do with them being from the U.S. Now, the fact that they could come to the U.S. and work these shows all the time and help draw eyes and audiences to New Japan, that's that was the benefit. They were able to go to California and headline with the Bucks because they're the Bucks. They're from California. Right. You can't, you can't bring Will – maybe you could with Will Ospreay, but you can't show up with Jay White and draw at the Cow Palace because – it's Jay White. You can probably go to Australia and draw a Jay White because he's from Australia. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So 
it's just a totally different thing. Right now, they don't have, in my estimation, and maybe I'm wrong, they don't really have any foreign guys that have a strong connection to the U.S. other than maybe Will Ospreay. Yeah. And That's e- the and problem. E- and even that, it's like, how much, how strong is that connection? Michael Elgin's kind of kaput after all the stuff that happened with him. Yeah. Um, they could uh, really, they could, they would need to latch onto a guy like Jeff Cobb or something like yeah. that at this point. And I, w- I will say, though, Osprey, he's going to be great for the UK expansion. Absolutely. Uh, they, him and Zack Saber. Yeah. The two of them. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, and that's, and I'm not downplaying any of these guys. I'm just saying, like, they wanted to expand into the U.S., but they lost all the guys that were key components, Kenny especially, right, to yeah. expanding into the U.S. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it has so much to do with skin color or being foreign. I actually think they could probably draw better in the U.S. pushing the Japanese guys. Yeah. I mean, we saw with the whole Ibiza issue, people want to see the Japanese talent. Yeah, I think that, that they lost a lot of good people. People want to see New Japan Pro Wrestling. They want to see Okada, Tanahashi, Ishii. Like, they want to see the Japanese stars. So, Suzuki. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Yojimbo had another question. He said, Shingo Takagi has been protected extremely well, still having not been pinned or submitted since October. How slash when do you think he finally loses a match for himself? Um, like, in a tournament final maybe at the finals of the best of the super juniors um although most guys do lose at least once or twice during the super juniors that would be pretty shocking if he went undefeated i don't yeah yeah if he went undefeated he could though he could yeah you might want to do that if you're if you're gato you might want to do that and then have him lose in the finals make it, that would make him look extremely strong and then and then he drops it to like Hiromu. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a tournament would probably, yeah, but Super Juniors would probably be the best way. I mean, unless you build up something big. If you're, if you're building it, you got to make it mean something. Yeah. Like, if he's going to go undefeated, might as well put the belt on him and then build up a challenger eventually to beat him. That's another thing, yeah, if you put the title on him, maybe in a title defense against the guy you want to get the shine, that would make sense too. Yeah. Uh, Twitter user at HeadbandBrother. He says a podcast I recently heard said that Hiromu's popularity would eventually lead to New Japan putting him in the heavyweight division. Is this something you see as likely if he comes back? Yeah, I always kind of thought that that was eventually going to be the case. Um, At this point, do I see that being the case if he comes back? I really couldn't say. I don't know what we're going to get from Hiromu when he comes back, to be honest with you. I hope that he's healthy and I hope he can still wrestle. I don't know, but um, yeah, I always thought he would be a guy to transcend, transcend and go into the heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean, the guy, he's so charismatic, he's such a star, and he's a, such an, a phenomenal wrestler. I mean, he has all the tools to be a top heavyweight star in New Japan, so yeah, just a matter of like, exactly how, you know, is he truly going to be a thousand percent when he comes back, and kind of what the booking plans are. I mean, he might sit in the junior division for a little bit longer um, and until they could, you know, make room for him up in the heavyweight division. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, then from Twitter user, at Twitter Ain't Shit, what would you guys think if NJPW signed James Storm for the tag division and who would they team up, team up with? 
I don't think they should sign James Storm. James Storm from TNA? Yeah, the Cowboy. Why would they do that? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much talent out there. He's old, right? Yeah, like, I mean, like he, mad old. He's in his upper mid upper mid forties, I believe. Uh, don't get me wrong; like I loved Cowboy James Storm in Impact. I thought America's Most Wanted was um, a great tag team during the time, and I thought even you know Bear Money was a, a great tag team, uh, and even his little singles run towards the end wasn't bad. But I mean, you know. Didn't he try to kill Mickey James? Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, pushed Mickey in front of a train. Uh it's good stuff. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean James Storm is if I was, you know, if, you know, Gato called me up and he was like, you know, I'm trying to sign somebody, should I sign James Storm? I'd be like, no. I mean, if they were going to bring him in, it would it have to be for the tag division because why would you bring him in for anything else? Like, you know what I'm saying? He's old. Uh, you want to team him up with somebody? Let's team up with Mikey Nichols. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. Who. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are two tag guys. I mean. Who could James Storm's tag with that would even make sense? No. <sighs> I don't want to. I keep him away. Storm bro. and Elgin? I, I thought of that for a second. No, that would suck. James Storm should not be in New Japan Pro Wrestling. That, yeah. would, that would not be good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's get to this news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, there was one more question I forgot to write down um, from Twitter from our boy uh, Sir Sam. Uh, crap, I just saw. There you go. Uh, so it says, uh, any chance we will see Kenta in NJPW? Freaking loved his run in 205 Live, and he could be an interesting presence in the heavyweight ranks. Um, it's possible, but I don't think it's likely. Yeah, and um, you know, Sam, if you if you like the two hundred five live stuff, you should really go back and like watch, watch his stuff from Noah. Yes, and like watch his matches with Marafuji, watch his matches with Brian Danielson, watch his matches with like Kenta Kobashi, um, uh, Takashi Morishima. Tons of, I mean, just incredible, incredible matches. Um, yeah, Kenta was the man, dude. And even some of his uh, Ring of Honor stuff. Uh, Ooh, against uh, uh, Daniel Bryan, and uh, he had a match with Samoa Joe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's got a five star match with Nigel McGuinness. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, I don't know if his loyalty. Still alive with Noah. I know they have new management. They've been changing some things up there. I don't know if New Japan wants him, but you know yeah. what? I say that, but then I'm like, well, they signed Mikey Nichols, so <laughs> the heck's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, I don't even know what kind of really shape he's in. I mean, his the end of the 205 Live run, I mean, he didn't look absolutely great. Um, so, yeah, just be interesting to see you. If he comes in, how it, what kind of performance? It's possible. Yeah. It, it's possible. It all just depends. Yeah. All right. So now we're gonna transition into the news here. Um, so it was announced today that uh, the IWGP US title will be on the line at the New Japan Cup Finals. Juice will defend against the Crown Jewel Chase Owens. Yep. So I guess I was wrong on that one. <laughs> I know a lot of people were kind of worried about that one being at Madison Square Garden, but uh, not to fear, it's happening this weekend on Sunday at the New Japan Cup Finals. 
Who you, th- you who you, who you got on that one? Juice. Yeah, I'm going juice also. Juice fucks. <laughs> juice fucks. Juice fucks. Uh. So, next up, G1 Supercar of Honor. There were a lot of updates, you know, coming from the Ring of Honor 17th anniversary pay-per-view that happened uh, on Friday. Show of the year. <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom's got a got competition for show of the year right here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, on the, it was announced on the pre-show, they will be bringing back the Honor Rumble. The Rambo. Which is, yeah, you know, over top rope battle royal, the winner gets a Ring of Honor world title shot. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Have they, They've done this, an Honor Rumble before? I believe, yeah, there was an Honor Rumble last year, um, a Supercard. There was? I think so. I didn't see I it. don't remember, but they've, they've done Honor Rumbles we before. Didn't, we didn't go to the pre-show, so. Yeah. Um, also, we had a title change. Uh, Villain Enterprises, PCO, and Brody King, they defeated the Briscoes in the main event of the show to become the new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. So as of right now, they will face the Gorillas of Destiny in the title versus title matchup. Yep. What do you think about that, that change? Um, I think it's, I mean, it's fine. I think it's really strange that they ran an angle in Japan with guys that, as of now, are not booked in the match. So I gotta imagine they're gonna be in the match somehow. Just because it's an important card. Briscoe's one of their biggest acts. Yeah. There's, I have, there's no way they're not gonna be involved. I have a hard time seeing the Briscoes just in the Honor Rumble and not on the card at all. But then again, we're only two weeks away. We and, don't have a lot of time to. Uh, and they, they did TV on Saturday, the day after pay per view, and there was no news of that match changing. That would be so weird. That's such that's such weird booking, but yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's fine. I mean, Villain Enterprises against the Girls Destiny. Um, it doesn't really do any. I mean, I'm excited to see Villain Enterprises because I love Brody King and I love PCO. But that like them taking on the Girls of Destiny doesn't scream like classic to me. Right. <laughs> you know, that's 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 the match that nobody asked for. <laughs> I mean, I think they're really going to depend on PCO and Brody King to kind of be like the highlights of that match. Yeah. So, um, then also, as we mentioned earlier, Jeff Cobb uh, challenged Will Ospreay, um, title versus title. Um, I had a question here from 91 Reasons You Lose. Do you think ROH made a mistake by announcing Cobb Ospreay title for title at MSG with Will still alive at the New Japan Cup? Because how they booked the other side of the bracket with all the favorites losing early and knowing Cobb Osprey makes a pretty clear Okada's winning. Yeah, I think that they made a mistake. They should have held off. Um, that was pretty pretty dumb on their part, especially. I don't know, man. It's pro wrestling. Like, you know, I work in a corporate like environment and like, you know, communication's not always there. You gotta imagine these two big companies. They kind of know how things operate in New Japan. They probably and they know that this guy's in a tournament. They probably, I don't know. They could have waited. Yeah, that's a few days. That's one of the things they could have done. Where they they shot a video and dropped it on social media as soon as Osprey lost. Lost. Yeah, they could have waited. So they, yeah, like it's just till Wednesday. Yeah, like after the match, drop the promo of Cobb being like, you know, just had a great defense against Shane Taylor. 
Osprey, I haven't forgotten that you pinned me at Honor Rising. I want you title for title MSG. And then we'd have been on our way. I think Jeff Cobb's uh, taking the Never Belt. I, I don't know. Part of me, I'm not, I'm not doing my official prediction, but part of me could say Osprey taking the TV title. Nah, dog. Cobb's, Cobb's winning the Never Belt. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not giving my official prediction just yet on that. Uh, but right now, I'm kind of leaning towards Osprey. Um, also on that show, uh, Roosh defeated uh, Bandito, and after the match, Dalton Castle came out and challenged Roosh for MSG. So that match is official: Roosh versus Dalton Castle. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, later, another, and I don't have much to say about that. It's gonna be weird. Yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna be a match to highlight Roosh. Pretty much, yeah. Um, then on the uh, 17th anniversary, Bully Ray came out. Uh, he attacked uh, Mega Ran, which is like, I guess, two rappers. Really, it was a really weird segment. But then he, he cut a promo um, challenging a mystery opponent to a New York street fight. At the end of his promo, he basically said that, you like, I can't say who you are, but you know who you are. Punk. Punk. Yeah. And so it's confirmed. Bully Ray versus CM Punk. <laughs> Madison Square Garden. Oh, it's my. happening. Oh my god! That's who he's talking about, right? I think that's who he wants us to believe he was talking about. Nah, um, that's who he's talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know who who this person is that he could be talking about. Probably just gonna be like Flip, Flip Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> yeah, it's probably gonna be Flip again, but the the, the freaking um, feud that will not die. Yeah. Jeez. But, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. Also, um, we're getting a triple threat ladder match for the ROH title. Yeah, so Jay Lethal and Matt Taven wrestled a 60-minute Broadway. My <laughs> God. Um, a lot of mixed reviews on that match. Some people I'll, loved it. I'll give you the only review that matters. It sucked. I, I won't say it sucked, but it, it was just fine. Like To me, it went too long. It wasn't even fine to me. I'm okay. I'm an old school fan. I've watched a million Broadways. I love Broadways. This was like not a good one at all. I did not like it. I don't care what anyone says. Like I don't. I don't think that just having a hot five minutes and then a hot like five minutes in the beginning, a hot five minutes in, at the end makes a match good. Like I didn't enjoy it. I I thought it was. It's 2019, dude. Yeah, it, it went way too long. It went long. way too long. I uh, was I was so tired, bro. Like it killed the show for me. I yeah, hated it. Yeah, it definitely threw the whole the whole vibe and energy of the show off. But you know, there are some fans out there that loved it and think it, think it was great. Y'all wrong. <laughs> um, but y'all, the reason I'm out here watching hour long matches between Jay Lethal <laughs> and freaking. Uh, Matt Taven. Matt Taven, my God. But um, after the match, Marty Skrull came out and stole the Ring of Honor title. The best thing that happened. It was already announced that he's going to be facing, he's going to face the winner at MSG. Then they, they filmed an angle at the TV tapings the next day, um, which set up the ladder match. So now it's Marty Skrull versus Jay Lethal versus Matt Taven in a ladder match for the title. Yep. What do you think about that? Uh, it's fine. Um, I was excited for Marty Skrull and uh, and Jay Lethal. I thought that match would be good. I guess you know they're trying to get Matt Taven over. 
they're doing a ladder match, it'll be fine. I mean, it's pretty hard to screw up a ladder match, right? I, I've seen some bad ladder matches, but yeah, it should be fine. With these three guys, I, I think it, it should pull out something decent. I really don't like Matt Taven. Same here. <laughs> so, but I like I love Marty and I love Jay, so. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm also thinking, like, how many... I don't know any of these guys to be, like, big risk takers or, like, put on gutsy performances. Like, you know, it's not like... I love Jay Lethal, but he's not this, like, hungry young kid who's trying to, like, wow the world or, or get signed. Like, you know, all eyes are on him. Same thing with, like, Marty. I think these are all pretty, like, safe guys who are, like, not wanting to... What I mean is, like, this is not SCU and the Bucks. Right, you or Bucks I mean? and the Briscoes. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess we'll see, we'll see what happens there. I feel like this is going to be a psychology ladder match. <laughs> they're they're going to work a smart ladder match. <laughs> uh, different. Different. Uh, next thing, so the 2018 Observer Awards drop, dropped last week, and New Japan cleaned house. We had Kenny Omega winning Wrestler of the Year, Most Outstanding Wrestler, Best Wrestling Maneuver with the One Wing Angel, and the Japanese MVP. We had the Young Bucks, Tag Team of the Year, New Japan, Promotion of the Year, Okada vs. Omega from Dominion, Match of the Year, Will Ospreay, Non-Heavyweight MVP and Best Flying Wrestler, Hangman Page, Most Improved, Naito, Most Charismatic, Zack Sabre Jr., Best Technical Wrestler, Tomohiro Ishii, Best Brawler, Kevin Kelly, Best TV Announcer, Dominion, Best Major Wrestling Show, Gato, Best Booker, uh, Kadani, Promoter of the Year, and Eggshells, Best Pro Wrestling Book. So, New Japan just wiped them out, man. Dark ages. <laughs> but yeah, you know, but it's, we're having such a horrible time, and you know, the, the business is going down, and it's the, it's the end of New Japan, and yeah. Dark ages, dude. <laughs> Um, tickets for the July 6th G1 opening day in Dallas went on sale on October 13th. Uh, they did not do a pre-sale, and the first day sales, as reported, were just over 1,600 tickets. Yeah, so this was not great. This is not what they're looking for. Um, yeah, and I, they also, um, I don't know if we have it in the news here, but the... Um, the tickets also were released for the Royal Quest. And yeah, that's next on the docket there. Um, so yeah, that's happening August thirty first. The uh, the Cover Box Arena in London sold uh, forty five hundred tickets for the pre sale, and it's set up for seventy five hundred. Um, and they were holding a lot of tickets back for the public sale, which happened on March fourteenth. In which I'm hearing um, a lot of tickets sold for that, and they're they're near a sellout. So we're having two exact opposites here. Yeah, and I just brought that up because it's very interesting. Um, you know, obviously New Japan's very happy with the uh, Royal Quest tickets. Um, you know, doing well, whereas here in Dallas, <laughs> uh, not so much. And I mean, I don't think it's. I think there's a lot of contributing factors to to this. I mean, there's a lot. There's, and I'll just go through them very quickly. Um, they lost the elite. Um, they're running this show at a time when a bunch of other major fly-in shows are taking place in pretty close proximity. We have no announced talent, right, for the yeah, show? Yeah, no announced talent, no announced card. No announced card. Um, fans are still stung by the visa issue from the New Beginning Tour. The visa issues from just a few months ago just recently occurred. 
And I don't know that Dallas is a huge fly-in market to begin with. Also, the ticket prices are very high as opposed to many of the other shows that they've run in the U.S. I mean, these are the highest ticket prices they've ever had. And then um, finally, just a lack of marketing and a lack of awareness. They have not done a good job promoting this thing to fans here in the U.S., all of these contributing factors have resulted in 1,600 tickets selling on the first day, which is um, not good at all. It's not good. Yeah, it's, it's not what they're looking for. I mean, not great for the Western expansion and, I mean, with all those factors you mentioned. And, I mean, at this point, I mean, they they know who's going to be in the G1. And I don't think there's any matches or storylines that's going to stop. Because, I mean, the cha- all the champions are in. So those are, I don't think there's going to be any spoilers. Like, they should announce... Who's in the G1 and who's going to be wrestling in singles matches that night? I don't know necessarily. Okay, I don't think they have to do all that, to be honest with you, if you want my opinion. I think all they have to do, all they needed to do and should be doing is promote who's going to be on the card. It doesn't even have to be everybody. Right. But at least say, hey, Kazuchika Okada. Okada. Naito. Naito. Tanahashi. Tanahashi. Ibushi. Are all going to be there? Zack Saber, you know what I'm saying? Will Osprey. Will Osprey. You name five or six big stars. These guys, and then we know that they're going to be in the G1. Yeah. Now maybe you don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe they always like to do like hold off and do the G1 announcements, but it's like, dude, you got to give the you got to you got to do something. Because don't they normally wait until Dominion? Yeah. Like, they, they can't wait until Dominion. They cannot wait till Dominion to try to sell out. I mean, I don't know what the setup is, but, like, from some of the reports and some of the things I heard people saying, they were saying that, like, that the setup looks small. Like, that they're, are they not utilizing the entire arena? I guess not. From what I understand. Yeah. There was only, like, select tickets available, which means, like, they, they like, had blocked off a lot of, like, what people would have seen as, like, cheap sheet, cheap seats. Um, I don't know everything, but I'm I'm just saying, like, dude, this is something that I know it's just March and we've got four months to this show. But, like, we've done this in the past where we're like, well, we'll wait and see. But in Dallas, at a big arena like this, 1,600 tickets, I don't know that you can recover from this. I don't know that I – th- I think that – I know in the past we've been like, well, let's wait and see, blah, blah, blah. I'll tell you right now – could it still do well ticket-wise? Maybe, mm-hmm. depending on if they make some changes. But right now I'm ready to say that it is highly likely that this is already a failure and will remain a failure. There's not – I don't see a likely scenario where they can recover from this in a quick manner. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough. It's, they're, they're gonna I don't be, know if they will, bro. Yeah, like, I'm, saying but, I, I'm saying that likely if, if I was a betting man, I'd say they're not going to and this is going to be a financial failure. They're, they're going to need a miracle. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. Uh, I don't know that I believe in miracles but, like that. But with like, that being said, with that being said, though, we will be in attendance. We will be for the G one climax. We will be. I didn't know we would be. Neither we, did I. I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> but uh, someone has reached out a higher power. <laughs> <laughs> the, the social suplex higher power uh, has uh, helped helped us. Yeah, man. So we're we're gonna be in Dallas, July sixth. We're gonna be one of the sixteen, <laughs> one of the sixteen hundred. Um, I, you know, I it's like people don't even know that the, that the G one's happening. 
in the U.S. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. think about it. Like, we had G1 Special in USA, G1 Special in San Francisco, the G1 Supercard. Like, now they're doing the G1, but it's the, the actual, actual G1. G1 Climax. And it's like people aren't even going to – like, people don't even know, bro. Yeah. Like, people don't know. Um, and then have you seen any advertisements for this thing like online? I mean, I've seen a couple things on Twitter, but I haven't seen crap. Yeah. I haven't seen, and from what I'm hearing, like they're not doing crap. It's like, there's a lot of things they could be doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how like up there on their technology, but couldn't they like run analytics and see like which users live in like the Texas area and maybe like send out an email blast or something or like maybe just to U.S. users? Yeah. Like, what the heck? I, we can do that. <laughs> yeah. At Social Suplex. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this it's this is bad. This is bad, 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 yeah. bad, bad. Uh, we had a question here from Floyd, who hosts All Things Elite here on the network. He says, do you think NJPW will try to book Omega Jericho for the Dallas show to boost sales? Um, Omega Jericho 3, yeah, we're getting that. Run it. <laughs> Um, I mean, they can try and book it, but I don't think All Elite Wrestling, I don't, with that being one of their marquee matches for Double or Nothing. I, I was just joking. I don't. I think I don't think he's saying Omega versus Jericho. Just Omega and Jericho. Period. Yeah. Um, it would be great if, Dude, they, if they were to do that. I if, just don't know if they will. I mean, if, if I'm them, what well, it's going to be hard. For Jericho, because I mean, obviously Jericho's probably not going to be doing a G1. Like, so what big star can you pull out of the G1 to face Jericho just for a one night only kind of thing? Dude, just having Jericho on the card in a in a bullcrap multi man match, not that he would do it. They'd have to pay him so much money. Yeah, it'd probably be a financial failure just from having from to pay him so Jericho. much money. But I mean, if I were them, I would I would back the Brinks truck up to Kenny Omega and be like, look. We need you in this G1. Okay, I, I got it right now. This is what you do. Omega's gonna, Omega wants to be in the G1. You put him in the G1. That's a done deal. Do, 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 do. That's taken care of. With Jericho, you run an angle. You know he loves to do angles. Right, right, right. He doesn't even have to work. He'll just show up, dress up, do some bull crap, beat somebody up, get a payday, and then they can set up business in the future for Jericho. You know, maybe at King of Pro Wrestling or some crap. That's what you do. Mm. Now, I don't know if them doing... Maybe they need to involve Jericho in New Japan prior to this. So that that there is an inkling, like... And a rumbling, like, Jericho did a video. Maybe he'll show up. Like New Japan Cup Finals, like... Attack somebody or drop a video. Something. Or, I mean, we still have... uh, We got Don Taku coming up. Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah, we got MSG. There's all sorts of things you could do. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe they need to do that. Um, But, yeah, right now, things are not looking good. Now, if they come out with, like, a strong enough-looking card, anything could happen. But, man, it's not (laughs) – like, you can't wait till Dominion. That's – It's literally a month before the show, June 9th, and then the show is July 6th. Can't do it. They got. They got to announce something. They got to. Yeah. So yeah, man. We'll we'll see what happens there. We also had a question here from 
Reddit user Eater of Bread. Um, given the difference in ticket sales between the Dallas and London shows, should the UK get next year's G1 opener? Um, yeah, maybe. I think that they're, bro, I think they're doing a IWGP title match. Um, at Royal Quest? At Royal Quest. I don't know if you saw, like, there was, um, like, a press release, and they were saying that because this is the first event following the G1, that there's added implications. Mm. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, dude, all I, all I know is, remember last year, I'm not saying they're going to do this, but remember last year when Zack Sabre was like, I'm going to win this, and then I'm going to cash in my title shot? Um in England before Wrestle Kingdom so that I can win the IWGP title on, on British soil. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what if they what if they have a British wrestler win it and then get a title shot before Wrestle Kingdom and then everything is thrown out the window for the whole Wrestle Kingdom title shot and they can just build something new moving forward after Royal Quest. Dude, they can totally do that and um you know they announced some some more talent. So they already had announced Tanahashi, Okada, and Naito. And this past week, they announced Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. Yep. So clearly, I mean, the two UK guys, they're going to be in uh, some big matches for that show. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's an interesting scenario that you just presented right there. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's just, uh, you know, it's something that they could do. But, you know, things are very, very, very hot for wrestling in Europe right now, especially with, you know, some of the uh, big changes that took place with the UK scene just recently. They're, like, dying to see, you know, Japanese talent and New Japan as a product. Whereas, like, the the, the hot thing in the US is AEW. Yeah. You know? Like, obviously that that's detracting from the fan base that was kind of tuning in to New Japan or, or what have you. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how New Japan kind of deals with that, if they're even able to, because they've shown a lack of understanding of the marketplace in the U.S., you know, in times past, definitely. You know yeah. what I mean? And then the uh, the final thing I have here um, is kind of the situation with uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. Um, kind of going on Twitter and, you know, being thankful that he's able to wrestle you know, athletic, serious matches in all Japan wrestling. Uh, you know, somebody asked him, you know, what about your matches in New Japan? He said, you know, the ones that I have are unathletic. So any any thoughts on that, on uh, Dave Boy Smith Jr.'s comments there? He's pissed he had to put over Yano. <laughs> I mean, he has to put over Yano, like, every year. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And, I, I mean, from what I see of Dave Boy Smith Jr., when he's serious, I mean, he's a solid he, he's, big man. He's really, I mean, he's an incredible big man. They so, just have never really pushed him or gotten behind him like that. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, I don't understand why. I mean, he, like you mentioned earlier, like, he's a guy that should have gone, you know, deep into the New Japan Cup. You know, imagine, what if it was Osprey and, and Dayboy Smith Jr. instead of Osprey and Archer? Like, they could have potentially had an, an even better match. Yeah. Uh, well, that's going to wrap things up this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back to review the final matches of the New Japan Cup. And, of course, covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Don't forget to check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex, to grab your Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. 
And don't forget to get ready for Suplex Mania happening, happening April 7th at the Hooters across from Madison Square Garden. Seriously, guys, if you are looking for a place to watch WrestleMania weekend during WrestleMania weekend and you're not attending the show, please come out. It's going to be an awesome, incredible time. You can come see us do the live podcast. You can come get drink specials, food specials, hang out with us, all the click. It's going to be dope. Watch this eight-hour WrestleMania with us. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's going to be litty. <laughs> uh, make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. You can also follow us at Social Suplex on Facebook or Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can also find us in the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Square Circle. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio with Rich Latta and Jane Boyd. On Mondays until the beginning of April, we have the Omega Luke Podcast. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast from Scotland. Every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan down in Australia. And then on Fridays, we have NXT Then, Now, and Forever with James Boyd. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.